Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hump Day, Sports Animals time now on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, today's the day. It's the day of our uh, really big road show, number seven. So we'll see you the af- uh, this afternoon at 5 o'clock at Growler Hawaii. Timmy Chang and a bunch of folks are going to join us down there. It's going to be good fun. So uh, see if you can join us on the- before you go home today. Top stories are we're following today, of course, uh, Rainbow Warrior and Wahine basketball hit the hardwood tomorrow night. <laughs> Yes, uh, some big conference games uh, for the men trying to stay in contention for that regular season title, playing a team in Santa Barbara that they're now tied with uh, in the conference standings at 6-2. and two. So an important game at the end of a really long stretch. Uh, after they played the four games in eight days, now you're playing the third team in a row that is at the top of the standings after last weekend with Riverside and Irvine. It would be nice to take two out of three from the top team, and especially in their retro uniforms they'll be wearing tomorrow. All right, and uh, of course you want to split on the road and win at home, sweep. <laughs> Usually say it the other way, the other way first. Hey, you, Dickman, we're gonna need you to pick up the energy a little bit. Wait Come a minute, on. you said splash it wrong. Some, splash you some said water it in wrong. your face. No, Let's go, give baby. Me that. But, okay, yeah. okay. You hope to sweep at home and split on the road. There you go. But you said it in reverse order, A. And what happened and, to National Compliment things, Day? Yes, things, that was only one day for you. Those confuse you. I know you get confused easily. <laughs> the, uh, oh, boy, what day is today? Oh, today is National Opposite Day. So it's kind of like compliment day yesterday because uh, I would say to you for two days in a row, hi, handsome. And I would say thank you. And I would say hi, handsome back. But if it's if it's the opposite day, then you mean that I'm not handsome, which yes. means I'll tell you, you are so good looking. You got to, you got to. You gotta wake up pretty early in the morning to get one by you. All right. Anyway, yeah. So Rainbow Wahine and uh, Rainbow Warriors uh, going at it uh, today. Is that where we were? Yes. The the um um, you know, I I'd love to use. You know, I, I said they're gonna hit the hardwood because that's what you know professional announcers saying. I just hope in this game we'll be able to uh, hit from three point land. Some trays. Yeah, and I hope we get to the charity stripe plenty of times today. That'll help us win. Never used any of those. I have never used any of those phrases. I'm not a fan of not a fan of trays. <sighs> okay, what the well, charity stripe? Okay, it's called well, a free throw line for a reason. Know, de- defense wins championships, and it all starts <laughs> with tonight. Because really, thought, we got to just take it one game at a time. I thought tomorrow was National Cliche Day. All right, uh, NFL. Uh, let's. Oh, here's a big one. Scott Rowland. Was uh, yesterday elected into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, I know what many people are saying. What's a Scott Rowland? 
What's a Scott Rowland? Well, he's a Hall of Famer now. He has that on his resume. <laughs> yeah, Third baseman who played primarily with the Phillies and the Cardinals. I forgot that he played with Toronto for about a year or two, and I guess the Reds. You know what, though? I don't think he deserved it. And I look at his career and the numbers last night. Baseball Hall of Fame is about numbers. And he was played 17 years, 316 home runs. Not a whole lot. A less than 20 a season, A. Right. A 281 hitter. Good. Hall of Fame? No. Now, he did make seven all-star teams, and he was eight. He won a gold glove. Seven out times. of 17, and you're in the Hall of Fame? I know. I, he, you know what? He didn't deserve it. Now, it's not where the football where a certain amount have to get in. It could have been nobody. But I, I think in another year or a different year where other players were up there in the ballot that were well-deserving of getting in, he wouldn't have gotten it. In other words, it's not like he deserved it on his own merit. He got more votes because the guys he were up against weren't really that dominant either, and that's why he got 75 percent or above of the votes but you know i know he's a good player a really good player but to me not a hall of famer really so yeah. um manny ramirez doesn't deserve to get in no gary we, sheffield doesn't deserve to get in no i think i think those guys all do i think a rod clemens but those guys aren't going to get the votes because of a thing called peds so another word who, who was the guy that was going to get votes away from him well manny ramirez wasn't going to steal votes from anybody a rod wasn't going to steal votes although it went up a couple of percent for him so it wasn't anybody who he was really competing with to get that 75 percent of the votes, votes? Well, i mean don't you look at your how do they do it do they put that every uh one who votes puts their top five or something like that i mean how does that work it's either three or five they put down yes okay so and, these uh, of, of yeah. all the of all the baseball players in the past scott Rowland was the one guy they they all agreed on that should be in the baseball hall of fame this year and it's not so much that they all agreed it's just that when you're voting for you have to put somebody in your ballot i think there was one guy who didn't put anybody on his ballot one time and there was one guy left Jeter off, of course. But you just—it's not like you're getting together and thinking this guy's deserving so much that you're thinking, I okay, un- I got to put. Three I understand guys they're in. not getting together, but what their, their collective minds yeah. have said, okay, this guy gets in this year, Scott Rowland. Now, many people—I was listening to the Joshy Josh show yesterday, and I don't—I think he thought that no one was going to get in. I think a lot of people thought nobody was going to get in. So why'd they uh, why'd they vote this guy in? Because okay. he'd been to seven. All-star games, or is it his turn? They figured, okay, he's waited long enough, so now let's put him in. No, you have to put somebody in. You have to put somebody on the ballot. And well, you said that leave. one year somebody put nobody well, on the ballot. But usually people don't do that. That's not the norm. You're going to put somebody down. So who else are you going to put down as your top two or three? I don't know. I I, I couldn't tell you who Scott Rowland was. Well, that's on you, Todd. I Helton can tell you who close. I can tell you who Carlos Beltran is, and, and I can tell you about Jeff Kent. A-Rod, I mean, those are star players. Scott Rowland, he well, he got a, a gold glove. Well, well he got eight gold gloves. Yeah, well, woo-hoo. Well, that's, so that's you're, good. you're in the Hall of Fame? You're in the Hall of Fame over A-Rod? Well, we know why, though. I mean, it's not why like he's a better stupid. player. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Now, one might say that it's a good that the you know baseball does it this way. You have to have a certain percentage. Then you have the best of the best in there. Like the NFL, I mean, they, they just, you know, I mean, how many times are they going to expand it to another wing in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I mean, they, that thing gets more, you know, they're five, six guys a year, whatever it is. I appreciate that. And you could say, okay, well, they're doing it right for Major League Baseball because oh, just the, the best of the best of the best get in. But this shows that, well, maybe that's not the case. Yeah, I, well, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think you I, does- uh, uh-huh. 
I don't think he deserved to get in. I gave my reason. You're giving yours pretty much the same. We, we agree on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, as long as you're going to put somebody on the ballot, I can understand it for that from that way of looking at it. But in the big picture, when you look at his resume, I don't think I never thought of him as a Hall of Famer. He even said himself he never thought of himself as a Hall of Famer. He's being humble. <laughs> I mean, last year it was David Ortiz, I believe, was the only player uh, to get in, and he deserved it, even though sure. he was obviously accused early on in his career, at least, uh, of some PEDs. I think he was mentioned in that in the book about it. But again, I think it should you should stand. It, your resume should stand for itself. Again, have an asterisk if you want, if they use PEDs, if yeah. we have the exact proof. Okay, but how do we know that Scott Rowland didn't take PEDs? No, uh, we, how, we, how do we know that everybody in the in the, in this uh, time period didn't take PEDs? How do we know? We don't, we don't, but I think what, yeah. when you look at players that have or are accused of, like a Bonds, for an example, you see either their numbers really increase over a short period of time or you see their body size, like their head, increase mm-hmm. over a short period of time. Well, that's not documented with other players. That's Barry. That's the Barry Bonds Well, thing. the Bonds is the head thing, but we've seen players' numbers go up uh, dramatically. In a, in a year or two stretch when they were accused of using PD. And then there was a player that were accused of it, just, and they I don't think they were. Jeff Bagwell, Mike Piazza, all of a sudden they're accused because their numbers were really high Right. later in their 30s. You could and, say, uh, what are the two guys on the Padres? Those two guys kind of kind of came out of nowhere the, in these last couple of years. You know, oh, they must be on PEDs. They, they, you can't be good. You can't improve your game. There's got to be a reason for it. Right. Baseball is so messed up. Bring, you know what? Instead of robot umps, I want robot players. Let's just have rock'em, sock'em robots out there. It'll <laughs> greatly improve professional baseball. Uh, no, he goes all right. that what way are other things we're looking at this morning? NFL awards. The NFL award finalists have been announced. And what do you know? There's actually somebody who's a finalist for MVP who's not a quarterback. Yeah, Justin Jefferson is there. And this is going to be a tough vote. I mean, you can go. So you can look at so many players that are deserving to get in for op, for the MVP, for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, this, it's going to be a tough one. I'm really interested who will be announced in a few weeks. I don't know if there's a clear-cut guy that you say it's definitely his. Although, if I had a vote right now, based on the regular season, at least based on the regular season, I would go with Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes is. Uh... You know, I, I think he's definitely the guy. If Justin Jefferson, he he didn't get over 2,000 yards this year, did no, he? No, no. Okay. If he was at two, I know he was close. Yes. If Justin 18. Jefferson was at 2,000 yards, I put I give it to Justin Jefferson. Uh, Jalen Hurts was hurt. Joe Burrow had a slow start. Josh Allen, it's tough because he had a great year, but at the same time, I just I can't get the postseason out of my mind, even though – you know, the postseason shouldn't come into this. But Patrick Mahomes, the only reason Patrick Mahomes wouldn't win it is voter fatigue because I would vote for Patrick Mahomes too. Yeah, I mean, the, the votes were all tallied after the regular season. You can't even vote during the playoffs, so nobody could even consider the playoffs for Boston. any of those guys. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I agree with what you said. I mean, when you look at every team, and you can look at numbers, and, yeah, Justin Jefferson, 1,800 yards, amazing. But when I look at most valuable, and they're all valuable, and I think if any of those guys won, <laughs> you couldn't have a major complaint or gripe about it. But I think Mahomes stood out over the course of the 17-game season, losing a Tyree kill and still basically not missing a beat. And the eye test. When you watch this guy play and you see his ability to ad-lib, escape, throw the left, whatever it is, I mean, he has shown why the Kansas City Chiefs are the number one seed, and yeah. it's Patrick Mahomes starting with him. you got a guy named Kelsey who helps a lot, but I think it starts with Patrick Mahomes.
Jalen Hurts, I think if Jalen Hurts didn't get hurt, I would give it to Jalen Hurts. If you look at the season he had, unbelievable. Joe Burrow, when you say everybody's deserving, I don't think Joe Burrow is deserving. If you're only talking about the regular season, that's 17 weeks. Look at the beginning of the season. Joe Burrow really started to come on like last year at the end of the season. But, um, you know, if Mahomes wins it, I hope everyone gets a participation trophy and everybody goes home happy. Okay, look or the at, but, offensive player of the year, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Mahomes. There's those names again. Well, if you don't win the MVP, maybe you can. Okay, if you are Patrick Mahomes and you win the MVP, how do you not win the offensive player of the year? And I think that's happened before, which is crazy. I don't understand that. I don't understand that at all. Uh, and it would be weird if it happens this year. But then you see all the worthy candidates, and maybe I think that's the only way it could work. That's the only way. But other than that, it just sounds kind of, kind of almost hypocritical in a way for somebody else to win the offensive player but not MVP or vice versa. Defensive player of the year, the nominees are? I feel like it's the Academy Awards, by the way. Those, uh, those yeah. uh, nominations came out yesterday. The defensive players of the year, the nominees are Nick Bosa, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, and Micah Parsons, I'm going Micah Parsons 100%. Uh, Nick Bosa had 18 and a half sacks. Parsons had 14 and a half. I know it's not based on that. I don't think you can go wrong with Parsons or Bosa. I know Chris Jones is great. But that San Francisco defense as a whole, when you hold teams scoreless in the second half of games for like a five or six game stretch, and even after that, hardly letting up any points, I know it's from the team as well. It's hard to go against Bosa, but if I did, it would be Micah Parsons. Uh, the comeback player of the year, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Geno Smith. I think, hands down, it's got to be Geno Smith. See, I, I can I can say Geno Smith, but hands down, what about what Barkley did, who really did nothing or not much the year before, and this year, Pro Bowl player. So that's it's hard to say hands down, to me at least, but I, I agree, Geno I, Smith coming I out say, of nowhere. I, the reason I say hands down is because I think subconsciously if you're voting, you're like, well, Geno Smith's never been good. And, you know, this yeah, makes up yeah. for a lot of years, not just one year. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Coach that's of the true. year. This is this is, a interesting, uh, this is an interesting category. Coach of the year, Brian Dable, New York Giants, Doug Peterson, Eagles. Eagles? Oh, there's a misprint. It says Doug Peterson, Eagles. Uh, ESPN.com. Yeah. Doug Peterson, Jaguars. Now, do they mean Doug Peterson of the Jags or Nick Sirianni of the Eagles? Kyle Shanahan, 49ers coach, is the other one. Yeah, when, I, when I'm looking in the article, I see that it says him, uh, Peterson of Jacksonville. You know, that's a tough one. I mean, in one way, you could say, well, Peterson should get it. He won the division over Brian Dable for the Giants, but that division wasn't a, much of a division. But look what they did in that second half of where they were what, last the year at the beginning the of the year. The NFC East wasn't much of a division? No, is no, I, no, no. Talk said? about Peterson with Jacksonville. You, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm still looking at the thing in front of me that says Eagles. Wake up, wake up. <laughs> so, you know, again, you give him a ton of credit for that turnaround. Brian Dable took a team that won, won I think, four games the year before and had a really rough five-year stretch. They had the worst record in five over five years. They and the Jets were tied. He really turned things around there, too. So I, I would probably lean towards Peterson. Uh, because I think their team was even worse than the Giants, and even though it was a weak division, they still won it and came almost out of not out of nowhere, but came from behind over those last few weeks to beat Tennessee and get that title. But you can't go wrong with any of those guys, I think. Um, yeah, I. You know what? I think you can. I think you can go wrong in this case. And I'm not. Is 
um, Kyle Shanahan is a genius. When folks talk about Bill Belichick, he's a genius, he's a guru. Well, Kyle Shanahan, you, I would consider that way as well. But I think Kyle Shanahan gets overpowered by maybe it, Kyle Shanahan slash John Lynch. Because look at the team that Lynch has put together. True. I mean, look at the the, the, the drafting, the free agents. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is an offensive guru, but um, you got to owe a lot of the 49ers' success to John Lynch. So take Shanahan out of the picture. And you got Doug Peterson, who turned around a team that was in shambles. Shambles. Brian Dable took over a losing team, and he had challenges. But I'd, gotta, I'd, I'd have to give it to Doug. I'd have to give it to Doug Peterson. Especially yeah, I mean, doing with such a young quarterback and a young football team. To turn it around like they did, man, that was exciting. Yeah, it was I, fun I, to watch. It, it's uh, either again, Shanahan. They almost they almost were expected to have the success. They were in the NFC Championship, of course, last year. So even though they had that great winning streak and everything was great, you almost expected a lot of this to happen to them. Uh, for the other but two why? coaches, but why? Because of uh, the talent they have exactly. and what they accomplished that's what I just last said. year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah. So I, that's why I would I would not have him as well. The other two, I think you could go either way, but I would lean towards Peterson. But I can't go wrong with the other two, either one of them. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Brock Purdy, Kenneth Walker, running back for Seahawks, and Garrett Wilson of the Jets. I'd have to go with Purdy. I mean, it's hard. Because he's a quarterback? No, 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 not just because. No, that's actually not even the factor that I was thinking of as far as the factor, how I factor into this, because of what he did with this team taking over. He wasn't expected to play. Third-string quarterback came out of nowhere and hasn't lost a game as a starter. And he hasn't done a lot of great things, you could say, maybe, but he hasn't done anything bad either. And mm-hmm. to get this team that maybe – I don't want to say they were in turmoil, they weren't, but after – Jimmy G goes down, and they were still having a good season at the beginning of that winning streak. He, uh, it was like you know business as usual with this guy as a rookie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Again, let's go back to John Lynch. Look at everybody around him. It would be hard to fail as a quarterback for the 49ers. I'm not putting him down. I'm just saying I don't think he's the offensive rookie of the year. Kenneth Walker, yeah, I mean, he's good. He's a rookie. Yeah. I give it to Garrett Wilson because you're on this list as a receiver of a team that doesn't have a quarterback. That's pretty impressive. True. And he did have a really good year, but I don't think he had an exceptional year. And, again, it's not his fault they didn't win games. No, it's probably because of him that they won an extra, not an extra game or two, but a game or two that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. and And it's not because Purdy's a quarterback. It's just from, again, regular season. You look at the season as a whole, and the Niners didn't miss a beat when Brock Purdy came in. And, Maybe more so because he wasn't expected to do anything, let alone play, let alone start. And I, I just think I'd have to go with him first. But the other ones are – I mean, Kenneth Walker had a nice year, and they were a playoff team. Uh, Garrett he got Wilson injured, had a though, really too. Good, he was injured as well. He got injured a little bit, but I don't know if I would penalize. But, yeah, you, you're right. I mean, I, again, Garrett Wilson, a really good season, too. But I look at Purdy and what he accomplished, especially when the expectations weren't there for him. All right, uh, last one. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner, Aiden Hutchinson, Tariq Woolen of the Seahawks. Boy, Tariq Woolen, what a special uh, season he had. But I'd have to hands down give it to Sauce Gardner. 
I, I would lean towards him, and I saw a stat the other day about Hutchinson that I think he might have been double-teamed more than anybody else, and he had a really good year for Detroit. Sure. I, I, don't, I don't know his numbers, uh, but I, I would probably lean towards Gardner, not because he's a Jet, but he was really outstanding. He almost didn't play like a rookie. It was yeah. almost like he was a you know seasoned vet almost at times. You know, if you look at the – you could see – the defensive rookie of the year and the offensive of the rookie of the year, possibly both being from the Jets. When's the last time that's happened? Well, you can't even ask that question because it's never happened. Sure it and, has. Uh, sure it has. For the Jets to have the offensive. No, and they, the, what team has won well, the offensive and defensive rookie? It's a trivia I know, question. I know for it's you. New Orleans, Lattimore, and oh boy, I'm forget, what, what's it, Hey, wake up, Dickman! Hey, come I on, the, I got the team. Get into sports. It'll I got make the, the show team. a lot better. Hey, hey, hey I got the Alvin team. Alvin Kamara is the guy's name. Hello. Oh, I said Kamara. I said it wasn't Kamara. I thought it was uh, before, uh, after him. I mean, but Lattimore is the other guy. Oh, Gary, Gary, Gary. We'll give you a chance to regroup and check your traffic next <laughs> on ESPN Honolulu. soap operas that we seem to be having in the world of golf, but a really interesting story at ESPN.com about Rory McIlroy snubbing Patrick Reed, and they're, we know that they're not on the best of terms. We know how Rory feels about the uh, the golfers on the live tour, but I guess they're in Dubai, and Patrick Reed wanted to say hello, and Rory was not in the mood for it. I didn't realize that he was getting sued by Patrick Reed. Did you, were you aware of that part, Chris? Yeah, that's why I mentioned it to you before we started. I know, but, but no, no, don't get me. Wait, wait a minute. What are you, what are you fake acting here on the on the radio? No, Come I'm, on. Before today, Bozo. Oh, before today. No, I didn't know that. That that was my point. Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, then 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 uh, speak clearly. I don't know what he would be suing him for unless it was, unless it was defamation along yeah. with the guys from the Golf Channel. Well, it was defamation. That's what it says in the article. If you would have read the whole, thing. I'm sorry, but uh, I didn't. I wasn't aware of that until I saw that today. And you know, I, I know Rory oh, has been really you're right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know Rory's been really strong ever since the Live Tour became the Live Tour and how he He's been strong? What do you mean? I know he's been strong since the Live Tour started. Well, if you let me finish with his comments and thoughts. Well, how about have a complete sentence once in a while? The show will go much better. Tanner, can we make a a request for more national compliment days? Because once once a year is apparently not enough. I'm giving you a hard time. I know, I know. Go ahead, go ahead. But that's really something to fact. And, And I can see it. From Rory's side of that, you're getting sued by this guy. Comes up to say hello. You're not exactly going to be hugging the guy. And say hey, good to see you again, or anything <laughs> like that. that. That's not going to be taking place. They're not going to invite each other to any parties or anything. But Rory's comment was, "I didn't really want him to. I didn't really want to say hello." Uh, and then about throwing a tee. That's the other part of this. I mean, what are we dealing with here? Patrick Reed, according to the article at ESPN.com, threw a T at Rory McIlroy, and Rory said, and I quote, apparently that's what happened. Uh, and he said he didn't see it. But the other part of that, he said that the roles were reversed, and I'd have thrown that T at him. I'd be, I'd be expecting him to file a lawsuit. 
<laughs> I mean, these guys are real, which actually kind of makes it cool for golf in a way that there's a rivalry, so to speak, but they're not going to compete against each other too often. Kepka and DeChambeau went through that. I think it kind of helped the game. It maybe created more interest. But I, Rory McIlroy being one of the – he's number one in the world right now. Uh, it just – I don't know. It, it, I feel a little bad that they're going through this. And we've seen a lot of golfers maybe come – not really come over to the live side – but they, they're okay with the live tour. They're not as strong or as upset as they were maybe a year ago. You know, they might be against it where they'll never join the tour, but they're not coming out like so many did when it first started last, I was it April or May, whatever month it started last year. But Rory, again, is not, you know, back down. I give him credit for that. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel like he does. But I, I think, again, one thing, it does create a little bit more interest for the sport. But also, it's kind of sad that, you know, a great golfer in Rory has got these feelings towards somebody, and uh, it's just one of those feuds in sports that we've seen over the years, and I'm not sure if it's going to go away anytime soon. Rory McIlroy hasn't been the only golfer to dislike Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed is, has always been, whether, you know, he got caught cheating or, you know, in the, in the, in the bunker or what, Patrick Reed has always been a player that nobody's gotten along with even when he was in the PGA Tour. That's why it was a good move for him to just get out and join the Live Tour and really be the wearer of the black hat when it comes to golf. I mean, I think Nike even dropped him. I mean, how how hard is that to be dropped by Nike? Pretty hard, right. I'll tell you that. Right. But, yeah, to throw a tee at him, <laughs> that's funny. It, you know, it's, it's how much damage can you do by throwing a golf tee at somebody? You put somebody's eye out. It's, it's, yeah, I it's think just, he probably just threw it in his direction. Uh, allegedly, that's what happened. Um, there's no video of it or anything. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're in there warming up. And through the corner of your eye, here comes Patrick Reed to come say hi. Maybe he just came over to throw a tee at him. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he wasn't there to say hi. Who knows? But, um, yeah, it's the when you say that, uh, you know, maybe they're not going to. It's not a rivalry. There's no rivalry between Patrick Reed and Patrick uh, and uh, Rory McIlroy. There was a rivalry between Brooks and DeChambeau. Sure, there's a rivalry between Tiger and Phil, but nobody. This doesn't make this a rivalry. This just makes you know, Rory McIlroy is kind of the uh, the mouthpiece for the rest of the players. I guess he's kind of perceived at uh, against the Live Tour. But I tell you what, the people in the um, the um what is it official golf world golf rankings the o let me pull this up real quick the owgr official world golf rankings now they are in discussion and these are the people who run the majors representatives from augusta national golf club pga of america the rna to decide right now whether the live tour players will receive world golf ranking points now, the uh, Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, and Keith Pelly, the DP World Tour, what was the European Tour before, they've recused themselves. I'm sure he would be. Well, if, I mean, as, as of right now, before that, if they change things around. So maybe it could, I mean, when I said it was a rivalry. If I they change things around. If they allow him to participate. Well, they're allowed to participate in the upcoming Masters right now as it is. I thought they weren't allowed. No, the, no, no, no. Again, I think you're going to have to regroup and follow sports on the next break. <laughs> I think you're really going to have to work on this, Gary. 
I'm having so much fun today. I love it. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, they basically they said a, a few months ago, well, we can't keep them out because they haven't made a decision on some of this stuff. So the guys who still qualify for the Masters, they'll get to play this year. Okay, well, as far as the rivalry, maybe rivalry wasn't the best word, but maybe a little bit of, of ill will. I don't want to say hatred, but they generally don't like each other. <laughs> I mean, one of the things Rory was asked about, would it be beneficial to, quote, fix your relationship with another live rebel? And he just said no. Very blunt response, they say. He, he's, I mean, other guys. Who was the uh, live rebel? Uh, they talked about Sergio Garcia. Yeah, okay. And but, I think a lot of people feel that way about Sergio as well. Not just not just Rory McIlroy. Maybe it's just the fans. Maybe the rest of the players are okay with him. But the fans, those two guys, a lot of fans don't like. It's funny. But it, it seemed like Rory, again, from all of his comments over the last 10, 11 months, is not on board with anybody on the live tour. Uh, especially Greg Norman. Yeah. All right. And Tiger's like that, obviously, as well. Uh, we're running a little late. we got a special guest coming up next uh, talk about some kind of East Coast sports or something. What are we talking about next? Eric McLean is an ACC network and ESPN college football analyst, and he's also been announced to be on the broadcast team for the XFL. So we'll talk to him about that and maybe a couple of college football questions like Clemson as well coming up. On ESPN Honolulu. Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. A lot of football talk, and we'll have more talk even after the Super Bowl coming up next month as the XFL is back. Uh, We're going to get into that now because our next guest, or our first guest this morning, will be on the broadcast team for the XFL. He's a former Clemson football player and captain at Clemson, now with the ACC Network and ESPN, and also a proud dad of Amelia Rose. Eric McLean joining us on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. First of all, Eric, Give us the latest. Your daughter is about five months old now, I believe. Yes, just turned four months, man. Just had her big checkup. Uh, time is, man, it, it, it's crazy to see just the changes, the growth every single day. And, again, just praise the Lord. She looks just like her mom, and that's all I got to say. <laughs> you know, the, what you're going to find is that uh, as they get older, their lungs start to get bigger, and the crying gets a little louder. So just be prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I've, we're experiencing a little bit of that right now. I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, good luck. Congratulations again. Great to see uh, her on your Twitter page and everything. So that was great from last September. Let's talk some football. And I saw your name uh, mentioned a couple a uh, week or two ago. That's one, re- one of the reasons we want to have you on. The XFL is coming back, and you're going to be part of the broadcast team. Tell us about your involvement with the XFL. Yeah, man, super excited uh, just about this opportunity. You know, something that, that wasn't around and, and relevant when I was playing. It was NFL or bust, or you could maybe go to Canada or, or something of that nature. But, you know, there wasn't really a league quite like this. And, and so that's why I'm so excited to, to be a part of it because you know, I'm really going to see myself and a lot of these guys who just needed another chance, another opportunity to continue to grow and develop and then ultimately continue to chase their you know, NFL dreams. So, man, cannot wait to get this thing rolling. We, we actually have a big uh, symposium coming this next coming week. So we'll all be in Texas, the whole crew, and you'll know, get to meet a lot of these coaches and players and really just get dialed in. So I'll be a product, part of a broadcast team, Matt Berry, Joey Galley, Galloway, Tiffany Blackman, and myself. And, man, we can't wait to just cover this great league. 
Do you know which teams you'll be covering at least early on, or is that just going to be based on a week-by-week basis? Yeah, based on a week-by-week basis right now, um, and, and they'll get us the, the big schedule. I think we're starting, actually, in, in San Antonio, so I get to hang out with Heinz Ward and the boys and, and see what they've got going on in week one. When you've heard about some of the coaches, and we know June Jones, former Hawaii coach, will be in the XFL in Seattle, some of the players, who are you looking forward to as far as either a coach or maybe a quarterback or any other players in this league? Yeah, I think certainly seeing how Hines will, will be as a head coach. You know, he's he's done so much. Uh, the Steelers, great win Super Bowls, win Dancing with the Stars, and you know, done done a lot as an entrepreneur, and and now going to be a head coach. You know, I think looking at uh, just a couple of these other coaches around that have just been you know around different leagues, have been in the NFL. Just a cool opportunity for for them to you know be able to expand that. Bob Stoops with the with the Renegades. You, you look at uh, coach. Um, excuse me for, for stumbling here, Wade Phillips uh, with the Roughnecks. I mean, just a lot of guys that have been around and have been at the highest level that, man, I'm, I'm excited to see him. I got to see my man uh, King there. He played at Miami uh, and Houston. He's going to be on a team, A.J. McCarron, uh, Eric Dungy. So a lot of names that I've been very familiar with that, man, it's going to be fun and exciting to see him at, the, at this level. Eric McLean from the ACC Network and ESPN and now with the XFL joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. How much does it help the XFL, Eric, in your opinion, when you have Dwayne The Rock Johnson involved? <laughs> hey, anything he touches turns to gold, man. So, you know, I think that, that certainly just his business mindset, his connections, his forward thinking, and, you know, kind of similar to myself, uh, you know, he, he was a guy that was just on that cusp of, of – you know, being in the NFL wasn't good enough, and there was no alternative. So he, he went straight into, you know, to wrestling. And, and so for him, a, a lot of the same things that I just said, he, he is the XFL. He is this guy that just needed another chance. He, he calls himself player number 54. As we all know, there's 53-man rosters in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I, I think to have his vision, to have his, his understanding, his business savvy, um, it's going to be instrumental for this league and why I think there's there's really no shot that it fails. He was here for an open tryout, I think, in May or June, and he was wearing that 54 jersey and told that story just how you just did as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about any unique scoring systems or rules that are different than the NFL? Anything stand out to you? Yeah, it's really going to be a, a hybrid model, man, where, where you see some of the collegiate rules, you see some of the NFL rules, and, you know, for me it's, it's this perfect blend of how – you know, I wish all of football was, you know, for, for a catch, you know, whether it's inbounds or a touchdown, it's just one foot, you know, so you're not going to see the traditional two feet that you do in the NFL. That's going to be a college rule. Uh, we've got the down by contact. So if you just trip and fall, uh, no one touches you, you get back up. So that's, of course, a, a, an NFL rule. There's some interesting things with, with, you know, kickoffs. If you guys remember a couple of years ago uh, with XFL 2.0, kickoff started – I think from the opposing 30, the teams, though, the, the return and, and the, you know, attacking the kickoff team, they're going to meet right at the, the other 30, 35-yard line. So that the point of that is trying to minimize those car wrecks, minimize those mm-hmm. high-speed, long-duration type of things. And, and, you know, the XFL and partnering, I think, with, with the NFL and some others, you know, kind of found that that's the most similar that they can make it like a run play, you know, with a running back trying to hit a hole to, again, try to minimize that contact. 
Uh, there is no point after try, so we're not going to have you know the Dallas Cowboy debacle where we're missing <laughs> 30 extra points in a row. Uh, you, you, you have to go for one, two, or three. If you go for one, that's a, a two-point play. Uh, you know, from the traditional two 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 yard line. Uh, if you go for three, that's from the five yard line, or two from the the five yard line. And if you go for three, it's from the the ten yard line. So I like that. I like the competition. Um, and then one more rule that you know I think is is really interesting. It's kind of this like golden down, and, and for fourth down to go for it. Um, you know, in, instead of punting, uh, there's there's this thing where you can run a play. And it, the, the way they do it, it, I think it's like fourth and 16. Um, and, and if you do it, you get to keep going. If you don't, you know, it, it essentially counts as a turnover. So that's going to be a fun little thing that is instrumented that, that we'll see how and when is that activated? What, what's the purpose? Who takes that risk? Because uh, the field position-wise, if you miss, it's really good for the opposing team. Right. A lot of unique things there that make it pretty cool. Hey, I have to ask you one college question, a Clemson question. How come it never worked out come for on. DJU at Clemson? Yeah, man, I, I think that, uh, you know, number one, following a guy that is so generational like Trevor Lawrence, I, I think it's tough. Um, I think there was some off-the-field stuff that, that maybe hindered some things there. I think expectation was, was super high on him and, and maybe not quite fair. Um Ultimately, though, I'm excited to see what he looks like in a new place. I'm excited to see how he can perform in, in a new situation where there is no preconceived notions. There's there's no expectations for him to go in there and battle and you know fight to be the, the starting quarterback because the talent is it's undeniable. It's just unfortunate you know we didn't see it enough at Clemson. Right, and that does happen from time to time with some of these star players hyped up like sure. that. XFL coming up right after the Super Bowl. Eric, thanks again for spending a few minutes with us. We'll look forward to seeing you when the XFL starts next month, and we'll keep in touch. No doubt. Appreciate you guys so much. Have a great show. All right, you too. Thank you so much, Eric. And that is Eric McClain, former Clemson captain offensive lineman with ESPN, the ACC Network, and now covering the XFL. Joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. Hey, besides Calvin Turner on San Antonio, are there other Hawaii guys playing in the XFL? Yeah, Cole McDonald. I'm trying to remember what team he is with, but Cole McDonald's in the XFL. And I have to look. There's a couple of more in there, though, but I know Cole McDonald's the first name that comes to mind. All right, let's find out and get on that coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. Keep listening. Uh, we do have, oh, uh, Tanner says Cole Laval on San Antonio as well. Thank you, Tanner. Uh, we do have Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets. Keep listening to giveaway, so keep listening for that. And remember, everybody who wins this week, we're going to do a drawing on Friday, or as some people say, a drawing on Friday, because uh, we're going to give away a couple of tickets to Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, March 18th at the Waikiki Shell. Tickets are on sale now, by the way, but uh, we're going to give away free tickets on Friday to the Frankie Valley from ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Happy Hump Day. <laughs> Animal time here on ESPN Honolulu on National Opposite Day. That's where you have dinner for breakfast and breakfast for dinner. Uh, it, when you see somebody off to school, you say good night as they leave the car. That's kind of kind of a fun National Opposite Day today. 
we were talking about the XFL moments ago, and Gary came up with a list of the Hawaii players who are in the XFL. Um, no? I think that was Tanner. You were close, and I guess, you know, it's still early, but, yeah, it was Tanner that came up with that list, not Gary. Yeah, but he was off the air. So share with folks who <laughs> from Hawaii is in the XFL. Well, Calvin Turner is with uh, San Antonio. Cole McDonald is with Houston. Uh, Cortez Davis is. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you're doing pretty good. I'm, t- I'm playing a joke on Gary because I was writing him down, and I knew that Gary wasn't. But Tanner, he knows everything about sports. So he's rattling off a list of all these players in the XFL from Hawaii. Cedric Bird and Cole McDonald on Houston. Roe Ferris is with the Seattle Sea Dragons. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jordan Ta'amu uh, from Hawaii, along with Cortez Davis from the University of Hawaii, is on the D.C. Defenders. And uh, the guys uh, we mentioned earlier on uh, San Antonio, on the Brahmas. But uh, I think there's, there's, I don't know, I think there's more players from the University of Hawaii, not I know that Jordan Tamu didn't go. There's more players from University of Hawaii in the XFL than the NFL. We got to switch that around. Yeah, that maybe nice, but... these guys are going to be like PJ Walker and to get discovered by the NFL from their play this year in the XFL. I would imagine that's the plan for many of them. I mean, we had Roe Farris on, I believe, when he – I think he did get drafted by Atlanta a year or two ago. Uh, didn't make it there. Uh, we had Cortez Davis on, I believe, uh, a few months ago after the uh, pro days or after the draft, actually, uh, when he got a free agent deal. Cedric Bird spent a little bit of time with Arizona. Uh, Cole McDonald spent a little bit of time with Arizona as well. So hopefully these guys – you know, it's not like a lot of guys will get these opportunities, but some will. And it would be nice to see a couple of Hawaii guys get that chance as well. So maybe that will happen, but at least they get a chance to – play for pay and they're still playing football which i know is a big part of their dream so that's kind of cool pat uh thank you for the text pat texts in at 808-296-1420 saama paama uh, from kaimuki and u-dub is with seattle also with the sea dragons so there's another hawaii guy thank you pat and he just followed us on twitter a couple of days ago so he must be a fan of ours mm-hmm. as well <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. What's coming up? Let's uh, Our top headlines are coming up. Also, the University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine and Rainbow Warrior basketball teams are in action tomorrow. And uh, the ladies are on the road. The men are at home. And there's only a few games left uh, that you can watch the uh, these uh, guys, both teams, at the Stan Sheriff Center, huh? Yeah, for the men, they only have six home games left. And so for the ladies, same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's getting down there. I mean, we're at the midpoint of the season, basically, and uh, it'll be over before you know it. So hopefully fans will take the opportunity to see these teams because they're both playing really well right now. All right. It's the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Top headlines and tickets for you to win uh, to Rainbow Warrior Basketball coming up shortly on ESPN Honolulu. Just after 7 o'clock with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. We will have a, a, a top headlines coming up in a moment. And I saw something interesting on Twitter uh, on the uh, day after Major League ba- the Baseball Hall of Fame, the writers, the baseball writers, put um, Scott Rowland. Is that his name? I'm not yes. even sure of his guys. I've never heard of the guy. But uh, So he's in the Hall of Fame. Whoop-de-doo. But then there's a, there's a thing going around Twitter 
uh, like your top three baseball movies. And, Gary, your favorite baseball movie is number one on your list would be? Well, I said Pride of the Yankees, the Lou Gehrig story, and the fact mm-hmm. that it's a true story. It's so moving and emotional. Yeah, it's very old, and yes, it's in black and white, but that, <laughs> that's one of the movies. But you think that's funny about Lou Gehrig? Come on. You don't no, know Scott Rowland. That... You're laughing at Lou Gehrig that it's black. It, it's a movie that when it, it's, to me, it's when black... it's a movie is great, when it's on, I'll, I'll never not watch it. Like Rudy, whenever Rudy's on, I'll watch oh. it. Pride of the Yankees, whenever I see it on, which isn't often these days, I'll watch it. <laughs> That's like my wife in Blindside or Remember the Titans. Right. She's seen each one 22 times, right. and she doesn't even like sports. But I would have to say, okay, so a lot of folks are saying, uh, um, like, The Sandlot, uh, A League of Their Own. I don't see it on a lot of people's lists, but I would have to say um, mine would probably be Bad News Bears. That was a great baseball movie. You see, you're not 12 anymore, Chris, so you don't have to stick with that. Oh, I think Walter Matthau did a great job in that. And uh, that was just outside the black and white era. So, right. no, but you know what? N- number one, actually, if I had to watch, uh, it would still be Major League. Major League is the best baseball movie. Major League 3 is the worst baseball movie. Okay, I got two more that just came to mind as well. And this might be my favorite now. Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon came out in 2005. It was about mm-hmm. the Red Sox. He was a diehard, obsessed, really obsessed Red Sox fan. They actually had to change the ending of the movie because the Red Sox won the World Series in 04, and it wasn't supposed to end like that because it never ends like that for the Red Sox. But him and Drew Barrymore is a great, great movie. just shows how obsessed fans are, which I consider myself. Also, the movie 42 about Jackie Robinson. Uh, really, really it. good I didn't movie. See it, yeah. Well, you, yeah, you're busy with all the major league movies and Bad News Bears, so that shows where we're at. But uh, yeah. those two movies are really up there for me as well. The reason I bring it up is the uh, uh, the uh, nominations for the Oscars have come up, uh, come out yesterday, and I don't know how to say this. Tanner, jump in if you would, if you know the Banshees of In Inisherin. Do you know how to say that? I haven't seen the movie, but I, I know it's on like HBO Max or something like that. Uh, that was up for uh, Best Picture along with All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, Elvis, uh, and a few uh, Top Gun, Maverick, and a few other ones. But, um, you know, really when you're looking at this, I you know, we could all discuss who gets the best actor and best actress and all of that kind of stuff. But really, when it comes down to costume design, a lot of these are up for debate, and I think uh, a lot of people will be discussing this on social media. I'm like, do you give it to Babylon? Do you give it to... Black Panther, do you give it to Elvis? I mean, who should get the best costume design? Or, better yet, film editing. Oh, some of those edits on Elvis were unbelievable. Those editors, man, they deserve every dollar they're getting paid. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, always a tough competition. I've only seen one of the movies that are on this list, and it's Elvis. For, for top, but I never saw a Top Gun this year. I don't go to. I haven't gone to a movie theater since before COVID, and you know I love going to the theater, but not since COVID. I'd rather just watch Netflix or Hulu nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, makeup and hairstyling, you got to give it to the Batman, <laughs> right? I mean, come on. All right, top stories. Uh, Rainbow Warrior and Wahine basketball teams go at it after a few days off. Finally, uh, they'll be at. Uh, they'll be uh, in action tomorrow afternoon and night. And we'll have the the men's game for you here, of course, on ESPN on Lulu. 
Yeah, Santa Barbara is the opponent, always a tough opponent. You mentioned it the other day, really good in a lot of sports these days, and basketball definitely one of them. They did uh, get a loss a little over a week ago to Irvine, but they're still 6-2 and two in the in conference. And it's, a, it's again, midpoint of the season, but you'd like to get a win, especially at home against Santa Barbara. They are going to be one of the teams in your way if you want to win the Big West. And so it's going to be an interesting game, a tough game. where They're actually could be 7-1. and one. Uh, They are ahead of Hawaii right now, but I think uh, – It'd be a good test, and after winning one out of two on the road against Irvine and Riverside, it'd be good to get that two out of three. They've still got some good play. They're also pretty hot winning three in a row, and I think like six out of seven or something like that. A good basketball team, but we have them at home, and as we like to say, you want to do what at home? Sweep it home and split on the road, baby. And uh, In yeah. other top headlines, Scott Rowland, a journeyman baseball player, makes it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. He'll be rolling, rolling, rolling up to Cooperstown. I wouldn't call him a journeyman. I did spend time with several teams. Uh, but he, again, a really good player. And that's one of the things I've said about baseball for a very long time. And the first time I might have said it was with Ryan Sandberg, second baseman for the Cubs who got him. It was like a 275 career hitter or around there. But I, th- I like what some people came back with me on that, saying if you're the best at your position during the era that you played, then maybe you are deserving. Okay, so Scott Rowland probably was one of the best third basemen. By the way, he's only the the 18th third baseman to ever make it in the Cooperstown. So it's not a position where you got a ton of guys like maybe outfielders or catchers or pitchers. And I know, again, really good play, but you had 281 in your career. That's not Hall of Fame numbers. It's well, like, if you are if you have to be the best third baseman and in 17 years you went to seven All-Star games, maybe that says somebody else was a better third baseman while you were playing yeah or several of them were obviously getting those nods as well yeah again i looked at him as a really good player when i first saw his name a couple of days ago as one of the favorites and he was the only guy to get in i never it didn't hit me like oh yeah no brainer you know carlos beltran didn't get in and he didn't use peds but he was involved with garbage cans being banged and sign stealing (laughs) and all that i i hope he gets in at some point and you can say he cheated okay he's kind of acknowledged that but he is a hall of famer on the field scott Rowland to me just isn't a hall of famer on the field 316 homers in 17 years is not fantastic so what is his big, biggest a uh, skill accomplishment excuse me what is his biggest accomplishment eight gold gloves okay that's that is really good but in 17 years it's still really good it's not hall of fame worthy to me it just i don't i don't look i don't, I don't think it should be for the good or very good you've got to be elite to be in the hall of fame i just don't look at him as an elite player Eddie texts in. He says, if Roland is a Hall of Famer, then why isn't Dale Murphy or even Dwight Evans? Why aren't those guys in? Yeah, Dale Murphy. I've, I've forgotten. I saw his name brought up yesterday on social media that he hasn't been in yet. I don't know his overall numbers, but he seemed just with the eye test and just in the top of my mind right now is he seemed like a Hall of Famer. Top of my head, yeah. he seemed like a guy who should have been a Hall of Famer. Dwight Evans was a pretty good player. I don't know his numbers either. I don't. He didn't hit 500 homers. Uh, good outfielder, I guess. But yeah, Scott Rowland doesn't seem like the guy that should have been in. But then you look at the guys that didn't get in. There's nobody that you look at except for the PED guys that you would say, oh, how come this guy didn't get in? It's just not like that this year. Uh, Todd Helton was a really good player for Colorado. It's not like – and he's probably going to get in next year because he fell just a little bit short by like 2.5% or something. Okay, but that doesn't year. make sense to me right there. He'll get in next year but not this year. Did he become a better player? Next year, all of a sudden, I don't get that. That's why it frustrates me to look at the voting for the Baseball Hall of Fame. 
Well, I think here's how he gets in, probably, because next year you're going to have some new guys on the ballot, but you're going to have Scott Rowland off the ballot. So the people that might have put Scott Rowland as their number one guy to get in, they might go to Todd Helton now. He might get some, you know, more first place votes or something yeah. like that. So that's why a lot of play. If your votes, if your percent increases year by year, and Scott Rowland, the first year he was on the ballot, only got ten percent of the votes. I believe he's only the third or fourth player to ever get in. Eventually, after only getting ten percent in his first year of eligibility, so players do increase. You're right; they didn't get better, but Cousins and Kirk Cousins, you know, helped Jefferson. But if I'm looking at one guy, I just see Mahomes as the guy who has to get it. But Jalen Hurts. I mean, it doesn't have the numbers that Mahomes has, not passing-wise, but running-wise, he has even more. But he was that – I mean, Justin Fields was a valuable player too, but it wasn't resulting in wins, so he's not going to be on that list. I understand Justin that Jalen Fields Hurts, was a valuable player? Yeah, what he did for the Bears with that running ability, but it didn't result in wins, but he was very valuable to that team with his running ability. Uh, but Jalen Hurts gets in over Field because that team also won, and so that you can understand that. But – Again, if it just it shouldn't be just on wins and losses. It shouldn't be that Mahomes gets in because they had the best record in the AFC. But it means something. I just think again from what he did, especially losing Tyreek Hill, when people thought they might have a little bit of a step back because of that loss, they didn't. I mean, Mahomes was just incredible, and his value. I mean, I think Travis Kelsey deserves a lot of, which should have gotten yeah. some consideration as well. I think that Travis Kelsey should be a finalist. I mean, I think that he got snubbed mm. to not even be mentioned. My goodness. Oh, somebody texted in. Gary, thanks for explaining these basic ideas on Hall of Fame voting to Chris. Uh, (laughs) Well, who would you put Kelsey over, though? That's one of the things. Well, I I, I don't know. I I, I haven't given it much thought. I'm just looking at this list going, they're missing Travis Kelsey. I would take Joe Burrow off this list if you had to take somebody off. And, you know, because we're talking about the regular season, and Joe Burrow didn't have 17 great games, did he? No, he didn't. No, but he, I don't think Kelsey had 17 great. I know your point is, I, I, and I'm going to get his stats. I think he still had a great, great year, though, Burrow. Yeah, uh, he had a really good year. T- he had a great, great year uh, towards the end uh, of the season, especially when the Bengals got hot. But um, Travis Kelsey. 35 up- touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 4,475 yards, 68% completion. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I don't have a list in front of me because I could debate that, is, you know, the, especially the touchdown-to-interception ratio. I mean, 12 interceptions, that's, that's not a great number. Anyway, a couple of the quarterbacks we're not talking about <laughs> right now are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Yet all of the off-season talk, until they decide what to do, is um, about – we're going to hear about Tom Brady and um, Aaron Rodgers. Now, and Tom, Brady yesterday, to Tom Brady yesterday was on his podcast, and we mentioned, oh, he got, he got a little uh, testy uh, when he was asked, uh, you know, what he's going to do. I don't know if you heard that audio. Did you? I didn't hear it. I just read it a few times. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to take – listen to it. I don't know that he's – that he was totally, you know what, it's his podcast. I don't think that, I don't know that he was totally, um, you know, that came out of nowhere. I want to even actually think, I was listening to, uh, is it Chris and Amber, Jim and Amber show, somebody on this yesterday. They had a great point. They said, it's his podcast, along with a couple of other players. 
and he doesn't know what they're going to talk about? Anyway, Jim Gray asked him, and you can tell that Jim Gray and Tom Brady are close. Yeah. They are. So when Tom Brady got a little testy, <laughs> it was actually almost kind of funny. I wish I could have seen his face because, you know, Jim Gray didn't back down at all. He's like, hey, it's a question everybody's asking. And Tom Brady's all, you're scratching, you're scratching, you're scratching, or something like that. And it was a little more lighthearted than I think uh, the media let on. In other words, his one sentence was taken out of context, in my opinion. Without hearing it, I thought the same thing, because I I know he's close with Jim Gray. They've been together for a long time doing these broadcasts or podcasts or interviews and stuff like that. So, you know, the the, the force he used two four-letter words with the same word twice, people might have thought, wow, he's getting a little upset about that. But I have a feeling, again, without hearing it and just reading it, that it wasn't exactly that. Yeah, I think it was okay. But uh, Aaron Rodgers now is saying that uh, he is open to reworking a deal if he plays in 2023. So what's the salary cap estimated to be? 220 million, I think it's 220 million yeah. and um, he would be responsible for something like 30 million on that cap. I don't know how that works because uh, he has uh, almost 60 million dollars guaranteed if he plays. Um so it yeah, it has a salary cap charge of 31 million dollars. That's a lot. Remember, you got 53 guys on your roster. 31 million is going to one guy. Seems like a lot to me. Yeah, I think maybe the signing bonus is in there, prorated money. Or I don't think it would be deferred for him. But there's a lot of guys making a lot of money. Not, not a lot of guys making $50 million plus, that's for sure. I still think, I mean, it's going to be something to see what team wants. I mean, let's use the Jets as this example because we heard that again earlier today that they'd be willing to give Green Bay two first-round picks. You could, if you can afford this guy and he can turn your team around and make you relevant, besides making you hopefully a winner, I guess it does make sense. I don't know if he's enough to make the Jets a winner, but he's enough to make the Jets a lot better. He, yeah. compared to Zach Wilson, is as night and day as night and day as you could possibly get, even though he's not the same as he was three, four, five years ago. But it's, what, three years or two years ago, he won MVPs. So it wasn't that long ago. Uh, he does have some young – he, he would have young year's, talent. He was last year's MVP. Yeah, yeah okay, so yeah, just yeah. a year. Yeah, two in a row he won. Back to back. Wow, Tanner, Tanner, jump in here with this. This is very interesting. Oh well, yeah, it was being reported yesterday that Joe Namath said he was willing well, to unretire. Didn't number. want to talk. Okay, Tanner says that uh, Joe Sorry, Namath. I was uh, I was talking, but I didn't have me on talking to you. So everyone heard me except for you two guys. That was my bad. <laughs> oh, so what okay, I was saying so... was that Joe Namath was willing to unretire number twelve for Aaron Rodgers to come to the Jets, and he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Do you think he should? I mean, that's according to Joe Namath. The numbers that people wear are very important to them, and he realizes it. So he's so if if somehow that's a stickler for Aaron Rodgers, Joe Namath is willing to say you can have twelve. To yeah. me, it's a weird thing. If you retired your number, nobody should wear it. If you're going to give it to somebody, no big deal. It'll only be for a yeah. couple of years anyway, but it kind of takes away the retirement part when somebody's going to wear it. But, again, it would be temporary. I, yeah, and I think it, it depends. Uh, let's see. I remember John Brody uh, gave a – I believe the 49ers retired his jersey, and then he gave someone permission to wear it. This is 20 years ago or something. Yeah. And it was – was it his son-in-law or something like that? It was a – 
the guy from the anyway yeah um that was the first time in a long time i've heard something like that and it's more common nowadays but dan marino was not going to give up his number 13 to Tua Tango vailoa and so i think if if you're somebody like joe namath 50 years after you're done playing you're still the best player that franchise has ever seen I think that, or the most famous that franchise has ever seen. They've had better quarterbacks, actually. Zach Wilson. But what I'm getting at is that if you're, if you're the goat of the Jets, you, you don't even ask. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you don't even ask for Joe Name this number. If you're looking, if you're on the Baltimore, the Baltimore Colts. There you go. If you're on the Indianapolis Colts, say they draft Bryce Young. And he says, I want to wear 19. You don't give him Johnny Unitas's number. You don't even ask for Johnny Unitas's number. I'm True. getting all passionate about this. But Aaron Rodgers isn't Bryce Young. He's been there and done that, so I can understand. If they, I mean, it's not like he's asking, apparently, no, no, Joe no, Namath no. offering. No, 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 no. Yeah, and I'm just, you know, I'm just saying that if you're Aaron Rodgers, you go there and wear 13 or you wear number 11 or you wear number 1. Or something like that. You don't even approach Joe Namath. You don't have your people talk to Broadway Joe. No. That's no, funny. No. Somebody texted in, didn't Brett Favre play for the Jets? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the path. You go from, uh, you know, you go from Packers quarterback to a couple of years of being wishy-washy every year if you're coming back. And then you go to the Jets. That's just how they do it. And then they'll have a good four-game stretch, his arm will fall off, and then they'll be waiting yeah. for Jordan Love to join right. the Jets next year. In fact, if the Jets around were around back then, I think Bart Starr <laughs> would have done that as well. It's, oh, wow, we're late. Let's get a traffic update here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Now, just thinking about college basketball and how exciting it is and how we're almost in February and NCAA tournament right around the corner. And we're, we're still seeing, again, I mentioned this the other day, but I, I love the fact that there's so much parity in college basketball. And maybe you don't think it's parity as much as I do, but it's also there's so many teams that are in contention. And now we're in the middle of conference play all around the country, and we're, we're seeing great games. And I, I don't know, again, who's going to be in the final four. Not that I don't know. It's, that it's hard to even predict where usually you'll have a team or two that you think is going to go there. I, I don't know this year. I mean, when you have Gonzaga losing at home to Loyola Marymount, what was it, the first home loss like in 76 games? Uh, Kentucky had a home loss, their first home loss in X amount of games. I don't know, it was like 50 or 60 as well. I kind of like it in a way, but I, I think now we're also, when we keep saying it's early, just like for UH, well, now we're at the midpoint of conference play. These games get really critical, and I want to see who really rises to the top. And we've seen teams drop, like a UConn, for an example. Uh, they were undefeated, and people looked at them as a Final Four possibility or probability, like even Jay Bill is saying that. But right then they lost, I believe, five out of six. So not quite the same for them. I, I, I love the fact that we're getting now to this spot in the season where 
Somebody will rise, and look at the Big West, too. I mean, who's going to be the number one team in the Big West, as an example? We've got all those teams bunched together. And Riverside might be a little bit of a surprise, but they were coming on strong last year. They lost to Hawaii in the first round of the uh, Big West tournament. Irvine and Santa Barbara, it seems to me they're always going to be near the top. And I mean, I shouldn't say always, but they've been at the top or near the top for now, they seem to be the most consistent teams in the Big West, unless you want to throw Cal Poly in there, because they're consistently bad, and they're 1-7 right now. Mm-hmm. But who, who's going to be that team? And last year when we went to the Big West tournament, the big talk was for Hawaii, can you avoid being knocked out in that first round? Yes, they did. They beat Riverside by one. And then you lost to Cal State Fullerton, as we know, in the second round. Just Jerome DeRosier said it was, he thought it was a little bit of fatigue coming into play that game. He said guys just didn't have that burst of energy, especially in that second half, and he included himself in that. Well, and they didn't uh, have Noel Coleman either, their leading scorer. True. That's true. But but they, they were playing well in the first round. They played pretty good first half against Fulton. I'm not sure if they were leading, but you got that sense in that second half of that game that it just wasn't going to happen. You hope they had a run in them. And I think they had somewhat of a late run, but not enough to get within, you know, a one or two possession game in that tournament. But right now you look at the Big West and who's it going to be? And in a, in a way, it's fun. I mean, I think Hawaii, in a way, controls their own destiny. You keep winning, you'll be okay. And you can say that about a lot of teams, of course. That's why I think these games are really important. They're not must-win. But if you can beat a Santa Barbara on Thursday, tomorrow, and then you got a Bakersfield team that is really struggling, and I've said this a few times, I think you have as well, Chris, you can't afford to lose these games against the bottom feeders if you want to stay at the top. It happens every year where you lose a game you shouldn't uh, to a bottom team. Uh, and I thought, you know, Hawaii went through a close game against Cal Poly. The CSUN game got a little bit close as well. But, again, that's that could be a difference maker in finishing in the top spot. If you finish second or third, it doesn't make that much of a difference. But right now you look at that regular season title, and, you know, the goal is to go to the NCAA, but the NIT is not a bad consolation prize. And it's within range. Again, if Hawaii wins tomorrow, they're 7-2, and two, so is Santa Barbara. And then you worry about Irvine and Riverside. You got Bakersfield again on Saturday. They're struggling at two and six right now, six and thirteen overall. You, you really have this chance. I think health is part of it, not to get have any serious injuries like Noel Coleman last year. But this team can get to that spot where you get the NIT. Wouldn't that be a great accomplishment? I mean, when we went in 98, when Alika and Anthony Carter on the team, you beat Kansas, you beat Indiana, and you went to the NIT. It was a little bit of disappointment because you wanted to go to the NCAAs after beating those teams in November and December. But the NIT is not that bad. You don't want to go to the CIT or CBI. I think those days are gone. I don't yeah. be honest. I don't know why too many schools would want to go to that unless you're a real – if you're Cal Poly, you'd probably think of this as a major victory if you get to go to the CBI. But that ain't happening for them either. You've got to be close to 500, and 1-7 and isn't close. But for Hawaii, I'd love to see them get in postseason more than the conference tournament. And every year we have high hopes, and almost every year we're disappointed. But – when people are disappointed, I think that they should realize they're in a one-bid league. It makes that that much more important. If you're in the Big Ten, you know the, all those years of being 500 in league play, uh, they they can't stand that. Now, that being said, uh, after if you're going, if you're winning a couple of games every year for three or four years in the Big West tournament and not making it to the NCAA tournament, then people will grow impatient again. But at least we're seeing from a couple of years ago improvement in this hawaii team i mean defensively hawaii leads the big west 
in every defensive category there is, or at least that they're printing here in the media notes. That's pretty right. impressive right there. Uh, we're, you know, towards the bottom in a lot of the offensive categories. But when it comes to tournament time, and you'll see it, whether it's in the ACC or the SEC or the Big West, defense is going to be really important because it's like, uh, it's like uh, in the NFL. They say the rushing game travels well. Well, you know what? In tournament time, defense travels well. It doesn't matter if you're playing on the road at a neutral place or at home. Defense travels well. Offense doesn't always, but defense does. They can overcome a lot with that. One thing I will sort of disagree. I believe I agree with mainly everything you said, but I think the Hawaii fans, the sense I get is you got to you got to win in the tournament. You got to win at least a game or two in March because when you're one and done five years in a row, I guess it might have been six last year. At least you got out of that. I don't think it's enough to be in third place in the regular season. The comments I get from fans all over is, "Are we going to win in March?" And right, right. Now, that's at least what they I was saying. Is that, well, well, that's what I was saying. I was just saying, you know, you want to win a couple of games in you know the tournament and eventually you you know before we weren't winning any now if we can win one or two people will be happy with that but not forever after a while you're going to say hey why can we only win one or two games in the tournament we should be winning these tournaments and you might say that this year as well well you know with the best defense out there all season long the best defense in the big west shouldn't we be going not just far but very far in the tournament this year? Yes. Well, I would say yes and no, because there's other teams that are really good as well. Uh, and Santa Barbara, Not number Irvine. One. There aren't are any other teams that are number one in defense. I know, but being number one in defense doesn't guarantee, doesn't say that I you know. should be in the NCAA I know, NCAA but tournament. I'm talking about fans. I'm talking about how fans think. But anyway, you know what? Put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. Uh, we are going to, Tiff Wells is going to join us. Uh, next here, uh, because the Rainbow Warrior volleyball team is uh, in action this afternoon. So Tiff is going to join us from the mainland. He's coming up next. Then we're going to give away Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets, and uh, we'll do all that coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Now, before we get a uh, surf update here, today is the day. We've been talking about it coming up for the last few days. Uh, it's the really big road show number seven. It is this afternoon. At 5 o'clock at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Again, a new time, 5 to 7 p.m. Josh Pacheco and I, along with uh, Coach Timmy Chang, Mylana Bird, Lori Santi, and more in person uh, at Growler Hawaii. So come on by and say hi to everybody. Heineken and Dosekis will be on special, too. Remember, new time this afternoon, 5 o'clock from ESPN Honolulu. All right, let's get into a bunch of slam downs. You're going to hear it this afternoon at 2 o'clock. The voice of Rainbow Warrior Volleyball, Tiff Wells, joins us now on the Aloha Kia Hotline. How's it, Tiff? Good morning, guys, from a cold and Hi, wet Tiff. Charlotte, North Carolina. Good morning, Gary. Hi, Chris. Oh, Carolina. Good morning, Gary. <laughs> Tiff, you are in North Carolina. How's the weather? Don't you guys have, like, a lot of rain or something on the way? It's supposed to, well. It's it's uh. I looked at the weather this morning. And it said 100 percent chance of rain. So it's going rain, and it is raining, and uh, it's in the low 50s, high 40s. Wow. Okay. Well, do, whatever you do, 
Uh, stay away from Camp Lejeune and don't drink the water from what I, <laughs> what I hear. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to that broadcast later on today. Before we talk about the three opponents on this part of the road trip, I want to go back to last week against St. Francis because after the first series against Ball State, Charlie Wade, and I guess it's understandable he would say the team was a little uh, erratic in some of the areas of the game uh, and needed to be show improvement. Do you think they played much better? Again, it wasn't the same opponent with a nationally ranked team like Ball State, but how did they look overall in the sweeps against St. Francis? Overall, they looked okay, and I mean, it's, it's still, you know, now it's week number three of the season, so obviously last week was week number two, and I think for Hawaii, just continuing to focus on, on their side of the court, become, you know, a little bit more efficient on offense, and I think that's kind of what has been the theme for this road trip coming into, you know, this three-match three, three match tour in, Carol, in North Carolina is to work on their efficiency, and of course, I mean, we all saw what happened in the second match against Ball State, where they had, you know, 23 service errors and uh just again just wanted to be more efficient and be better on first ball contact and have an overall better flow of the offense and obviously of course work on the blocking i mean hawaii's been out blocked in all four matches this season and for one of one of the better blocking teams in the country a year ago that has uh that has yet to become a main point of their overall game in 2023 were you surprised that they were out blocked by saint francis yes uh, I thought I thought going against Ball State it would be a little tough. I mean, they did have you know coming back from last year the best blocker in terms of blocks per set in uh, Felix Agarabu. But I think for what St. Francis did to outblock Hawaii both nights, that was, I think that was a little bit more of a surprising factor from that series. One of the things I looked at when I take away when I, one of the things I take away by looking at those matches last week and listening to your broadcast was that so many players got to play. You only had two players play all three sets, I believe, on Wednesday night, and that was Cole Hoagland. I think Hawkins might have been the other Tatella. But was that a good? How, how much did that help getting everybody else in the lineup for those matches? It helps, and that's kind of been a mainstay of this program the last few years, especially in the months of January and February. When, January and February. Uh, when you're not in conference play and you're able to work on different lineups, get different guys in, have some, you know, combinations that the coaches and players would see in practice, but obviously, you know, for the most part, fans don't see until it gets to the game. And I think for what Hawaii was able to do and have all thir- have 13 guys play Wednesday, have 13 play on Friday, uh, it, it, it'll bode well, especially for that, what Charlie likes to say, the A, a side and the A-plus side and give some of his, give some of his reserves uh, guys like Kanai Yakana, Keone Sim, who we normally see as serving specialists, give mm-hmm. them opportunity to go all the way around in a, in a set in in a in a gameplay. Right on, Tiff Wells talking Rainbow Warrior volleyball via the Aloha Kia hotline. I believe the last time we had you on the show was like an hour or two after we wrapped up that Spiros Hawkins was named National Player of the Week. Great accomplishment. What have you seen in him this season? I mean, you look, I mean, I know the team doesn't want to look back at last year, and I also wonder, is it possible for these guys to improve when they were so dominant last year? I think there's, there's always room for improvement, and I think for them, we, we it's something we go back to what we just talked about at the beginning of the interview is the fact that this, this group wants to become more efficient. And I think for what Spiros did to go from basically a serving sub in, in 2021 to becoming one of the main outside hitters last year now has become, you would say, the go-to scoring threat between, with, with both him and uh, Demetrios Mukulius on the right side. They've become basically the one-two factor, and it's sort of lightened the load, I would say, offensively for Chaz Galloway that 
he's able to, you know, work on more of his game, which is specifically from the back row and in that big or the quick attack in the back row. And I think for what Hawaii's been able to do offensively and for what, you know, during the summer when you had Demi and, and Spiros playing for Greece at the European uh, Championship qualifications and for them to play against other national teams to really work on their game, you've seen in just four matches played this year how improved Spiros has become and has basically been the main offensive threat for Hawaii this season. Up until a few years ago, I never heard of Queens out of North Carolina. I believe it was their last year as an independent. Talk mm-hmm. about the opponent, not only Queen, but Barton and Belmont Abbey, the three opponents on this part of the road trip. Three teams that uh, have under 500 records. You mentioned Queens. This is their last year as an independent, and they'll be moving over to the MIVA uh, beginning in 24 with uh, where, where Ball State was, who Hawaii played a couple of weeks ago. A team that Hawaii played out here in, in Charlotte a couple of years ago in, in 2020. Uh, took them, played them last year as well in that uh, first point collegiate challenge in Austin. And then making the trip over to Belmont Abbey and then, of course, over to Barton College in on that Saturday match. Again, two teams that have struggled out of the gate. Belmont Abbey 1-5 on the year. Queen, or, um, not Queens, uh, Barton 0-4. They haven't won a match in almost two-plus years, so they've been sort of struggling under a first-year head coach. So you would like to think head coach Charlie Wade and this squad who have traveled 14 players you would like to see at some point all 14 get on the floor throughout the match, but also in to work on their efficiency and maybe one or hopefully all three of these matches where Hawaii can outblock their opponent. With these opponents, uh, Tiff, they're on the road, of course, as we mentioned. Does that help the RPI in the, in the end? Eventually, it'll it will help out the RPI. I mean, you, you, with with teams out of the conference, Carolina. I mean, Division One, Division Two matches. They'll always help, and it's not as if you're playing a Division Three or an NAIA school where they don't really count. I mean, the, these matches will obviously count towards the record, towards the overall ranking, and, and for Hawaii, it's just to continue to help and grow the game. And for what these top tier teams have done throughout the last few years with the UAH, Long Beach. UCLA, UC Irvine, Penn State, they're going out and they're playing these new, these newer schools. I mean, Queens has been around for maybe six, seven years, and, you know, St. Belmont Abbey for about a decade, and Barton for about nine or ten years. And, and for these Division II schools and in the east part of the country where if you're not Penn State and Princeton, not really, pe- not really a lot of people know about your program. And so for the ability for a top-tier program to come out east and it just so happens that it's the number one team in the country, two-time defending national champ. You would expect some good crowds uh, for all three of these matches, but it, 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 you might have—I mean, you might have a little bit of a drop in the RPI, but it—it's still doing their part of help growing the game. But also, these are Division One, Division Two opponents, so they will count. Right, right. Hey, one last question. I want to ask you about uh, Rainbow Wahidi Volleyball for a second. I saw the uh, release that two more players have entered the transfer portal. Not entered, but have come here via the transfer portal. So they have four new players coming in next season, but they only lose two, right, in Akana and Bird. So how does that work? You know, that is a very good question. I think, obviously, with the four signees, that means somehow they're, you know, they are getting, a, they're, they are getting some scholarships. Um, and I believe I think a couple of them from last year uh, were 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 walk-ons that are weren't on full scholarship. So it, it's it's again you only get twelve for the season. You're going to have more than twelve. So it's 
you know, with some having scholarship money and some being invited walk-ons with the intent or the idea that maybe moving forward, um, you know, with the possibility, you know, going into 24 where you, where you will have uh, a scholarship opening up. You got the broadcast coming up at 2 p.m., so we're going to let you go in a second. But what does Tiff Wells do besides prepping for the big match? You do a lot of great work, obviously, for that. What else are you going to be doing on the road in Charlotte this afternoon? Uh, avoiding the water drinking, as Chris mentioned, and <laughs> avoiding all this rain that is uh, in the Charlotte area for uh, the course of the day today. All right. Be safe, Tiff. Thank you very much, and we'll hear you this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Thanks, man. Thanks, Tiff. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Enjoy Growler. All right, man. Uh, Tiff Wells uh, appears via the Aloha Kia hotline. Aloha Kia. See ya in a Kia. I want to get a little bit into the uh, new players for the Rainbow Wahine coming up in a second. But as promised right now, if you're caller number three at 808-296-1420, we're going to give you two tickets to the men's basketball game tomorrow night at the Stan Sheriff Center. And you'll also be qualified to win. Uh, on Friday, we're going to do a drawing of everyone who wins this week. Uh, we're going to do a drawing for tickets to see Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons at the Waikiki Shell. So call in and win now from ESPN Honolulu. And my heart called out to you. Hey, congratulations to Winston from Ina Haina. Just called in and won uh, the Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets. Uh, more for you to win uh, uh, as we go on here uh, on uh, the radio station. But, yeah, it was announced yesterday, uh, the University of Hawaii um, Wahine volleyball team uh, picked up a couple of players. You said it was through the transfer portal, huh? Yeah, one of them is from Clemson. And that okay. is the middle blocker, uh, Jack and ba- Bamis. Uh, she's a six-one middle middle blocker from Clemson. And the other one was Mandy Morioka. A five-seven uh, Liberace defensive specialist from Torrance, California, via Penn State. Well, that's pretty good. Penn State—they well, at least on the men's side, they got some—they play some serious volleyball on the guys' side, don't they? Yeah, I wonder they, how they are on the ladies' side. Well, they're good. They got a couple from Penn State years ago for ben, the men and Wahini volleyball team, and it was a libero. And I'm trying to remember her name right now, but uh, they worked out pretty well way back when. That was probably like seven or eight years ago. So maybe they'll have good luck with them again. But one of the questions I had, because you have two other players that committed earlier, so you have four players for the signing class for 2023, but they only lose two players. And I thought they had their scholarship allotment last year. Milana Bird will be with us today at Crowler, Hawaii, is one, and Braylon Akana. Uh, who did enter, I think, she, I'm not sure if she's going to be playing volleyball, but she's going to uh, leave the program, at least anyway. She announced that about a month right, or so ago. Right, I think ago. she's just retiring. I think she said that she was just looking forward to doing other stuff. She probably got her degree already and said, hey, you know what, I want to move on. Uh, the other signees, Stella Adeyemi, Adeyemi, is a 5'11 outside hitter uh, from Nebraska. And then uh, Tali Hakas, a 5'11 outside hitter from Israel. Now, is that a relation to uh, anybody on the team? Hawkus? Well, it's spelled differently than Spiros Hawkus. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, But anyway, so, yeah, those are the four coming in. Well, I'm sure that maybe they didn't use all their scholarships before or something. Yeah, it could be. It could be. I just hope they don't. I mean, mean, we haven't heard about anybody else entering the portal or anything or leaving for whatever reason. But I just Mm. was wondering about that. But anyway, all right, congratulations, uh, the Rainbow Wahine. Hopefully, man. 
if we can get that Wahine program to where the Warrior program is, I mean, I know it's a there are more women's volleyball teams out there, but if we can just get back to where we were with Dave Shoji, that would be pretty special. Yeah, at least we're going to the NCAA's, but I'd like to go a little further. Ali Longo was uh, was a player. Some somebody just texted that in from Penn State that transferred here several years ago. She was a fantastic player, I thought. Mm. All right, uh, let's see. We got our top headlines coming up. Uh, by the way, did you see that uh, Beyonce was in the uh, the news because of her concert in Dubai? Yeah, she had a concert in Dubai. Uh, <laughs> she paid twenty four million dollars for a private concert. <laughs> it's like in a hotel. It's like, uh, let's get Beyonce to come on down. Here, how about $24 million for an hour's of work? But now everybody's mad because she took blood money. That's tough. To, isn't it tough, though, to turn down $24 million an hour? Uh, you would think. You would think. But I guess because. You've heard of minimum wage. That's maximum wage. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's maximum for her. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm sure it is. $24 million in an hour. You would think. Woo. All right. Top stories coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Kind of cloudy this morning. Should be clearing up a little later on this afternoon, depending on which weather outlet you go to. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, the sports animals in the morning. Top stories, obviously, today is we got uh, Rainbow Warrior Volleyball this afternoon at 2 o'clock on the radio. And tomorrow, the Rainbow Warrior Men will be playing at 7 o'clock at the Stan Sheriff Center. And the ladies are on the road, both basketball teams facing UCSB Santa Barbara and I hope that according for the Rainbow Wahine if you go by a recent trend that they kind of bust that up tonight you see since December 31st when they won a game at Cal Poly their win-loss record weekly uh, goes like this win loss win loss win loss win and then we got Santa Barbara tonight so hopefully they break break that trend and get two in a row. Uh, Santa Barbara on the road. They are six and two in conference play. Thirteen and five overall. It's uh, you know it's 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 going to be a tough road for the Wahine. But as we saw the guys last week beating Riverside on the road, nothing's impossible. Yeah, and I guess you could look at it this way. They're on the road, so if they split, which is what we often say, then it'll be okay. But this team, again, trying to be Big West regular champs again. Uh, if you want to be Big West regular season champs and get in a good position for the tournament, you got to start sweeping some of these weekly series of two games a week. Right. You can't uh, Right now, you can't do – it's too late to win at home, at, to sweep at home and split on the road. It's too late for the Wahine with the slower start that they had. Yeah, I would say that, and there's other teams ahead of them, so you want to get to that spot. But I think still a lot of basketball left, and again, last year they win the regular season, which would have gotten them a WNIT berth at worst, but of course they got the NCAA berth. And you know, I, I look at this team, there's so much talent and there's depth. I mean, you don't have Amy Atwell, we've, we've said that numerous times, but you have a lot of other players that have stepped up. I mean, Lonnie McBee I was a player, I'm not sure if they expected her to have that three-game stretch or so that she had where she just was lights out. All right. Uh, in the NFL, the uh, AP Award finalists have been announced for, oh, MVP. And we talked about Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Jefferson. 
Uh, you know, they've got Offensive Player of the Year uh, finalists, Defensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Uh, was uh, The finalists are Doug Peterson from the Jaguars, Kyle Shanahan, 49ers, and the New York Giants, Brian Dable. Who gets it in your mind? Or who deserves Nathaniel it Hackett. the most? Nathaniel Hackett should have been on that ballot. Um, I would go with Peterson. I think, to me, it should be between Dable and Peterson. Even though Kyle Shanahan's done a great job, it's kind of expected for them to be where they are. Uh, and they've been hot up winning by 12 in a row right now. But I would go with Peterson first, Dable second. You know, I'd say that Doug Peterson and Brian Dable did a good job. And initially, I thought Peterson. I mean, he took the, what was a cultural and it was just a mess. Everything was horrible. You're, you're coming off a coach who kicked his kicker. Although in Dallas, they probably somebody probably wanted to kick uh, Maher <laughs> yeah. the other day, but they kick the kicker in practice. They uh, the, the, they lose a game, and the coach doesn't fly back with the team. I mean, it's just, there's so many other reasons why they were in such a bad situation. And uh, you know, he really went Doug Peterson being the quarterback guru is he kind of turned it all around for Trevor Lawrence, and that led to success on the field. Yet they were better, but. You know what? Were the, what was their final record? Nine and eight, something like that. I believe so. Yeah. So um, it was good, but Kyle Shanahan, and again, I, I, Kyle Shanahan has the benefit of John Lynch as being his GM. I mean, he's done a great job of drafting and with free agents uh, for the 49ers to put them in a situation where they are. So I think that um, you know Kyle Shanahan should be looked more closely at really the great coaching job he's doing. Now, he's got the players, like you say. But at the same time, look at the play calls and look at the creativity yeah. and look at yeah. all of that. And, with the you know, the 12 wins in a row or whatever it was to finish the season, I'm going to switch off on this and say I think Kyle Shanahan should be coach of the year. Should be, in my mind. Shouldn't be penalized because he has a great roster. So I can, you can make the argument, of course. I mean, again, either one of those guys winning wouldn't be something where anybody could be upset or disagree totally with. You might have your guy. Uh, so I, they're all worthy. I, I would just go with Peterson because of the mess he inherited, and it's hard to turn that around in one year. I remember joking in August or around there saying the Thursday night game in December between the Jets and Jacksonville on national TV is going to be for the first overall draft pick. And for the Jets, it almost was. For Jacksonville, it was key for them making the playoffs. And that came out of nowhere from when the season started. And I think the major difference, Doug Peterson. You know, you maybe were a little healthier. You got a couple of draft picks. Travis Etienne is healthy, the running back. Still, Doug, Doug Peterson deserves a ton of credit Travis, for what he's done there. Yeah, Travis Etienne. I mean, that guy, man. I mean, that's, that's, that's another reason for the big turnaround. I mean, that guy, that guy he's a full-grown man. In that backfield. Uh, somebody texted in, thank you, 808-296-1420. To be where you're expected to be is more impressive to me. You get everyone's best shot. Talking about the 49ers, obviously, right? 49ers are coming to town. We better uh, really get ready for that. Hey, Harlan's calling in. What's up, Harlan? Hey, How's guys. It? Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Harlan. I was going to weigh in on, on your Coach of the Year discussion. Yes. I'm thinking... If, you, if you're leaning towards Shanahan, the only reason why Shanahan's good is D'Amico Ryans, and maybe he should get coach of the year. And 
because he was drafted by the Texans out of Alabama. And I'll take your response off. <laughs> Thank you, Harlan. They're the pride of University of Redlands, everybody. Harlan there right there on ESPN Honolulu. Well, uh, for assistant coach of the year, uh, D'Amico Ryans is uh, up for uh, um, you know up for that award. If that makes but D'Amico Ryan has better. nothing to do with their offensive success, so I don't, I don't think that's the reason he's. I know what Harlan's means there, but I mean the offense, like you said, the play calling, really creative and really just had everybody in a position to play at their best and resulted in unbelievable performances. Hey, have they always had an assistant coach of the year? I don't remember that on the NFL Honors Show before. Who knows? Who knows? But they, that what I, I, I understand what Harlan's saying. This isn't the best head coach for an offense or the best head coach for a defense. This is the best head coach. So I think there's a lot that would also go into that without overthinking it. I mean, you got to think about things like culture, and you got to think about things like leadership. And um, maybe you're the head coach, and you're hiring the right staff. Maybe you give it to Kyle Shanahan because, hey, he had the smarts to hire D'Amico. Uh, D'Amico, what's his last name? Right. <laughs> yeah. D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Maybe he was, you know, he should get some kind of credit for that. Well, you don't get coach of the year for hiring an assistant. That shouldn't. I'm be just saying, of... there's a lot. What I'm saying is a lot. Listen closely. What I'm I saying am... is there's a lot that goes into being a head coach, not just coaching the offense. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't think you're going to give anybody a coach of the year. You give the GM a executive of the year for hiring people and drafting people, but you're not going to give a coach right. of the year award because he has I a good defensive G- coordinator. I don't think the GM is hiring the assistant coaches. I think the coach has the final say in who's going to be on his squad in most teams, okay. except for the Dallas Cowboys and maybe a couple others. Kyle Shanahan hired all of his assistants, not John Lynch. Okay, but that, John not- Lynch went out and, and pulled the trigger on – uh, free agent moves and draft picks, and I'm sure Shanahan has some say at uh, in the war room as well on draft day. That's what you give it to him for. But there's more than just that. I, like I said, you know, there's the the coach is responsible for a lot of things. Doug Peterson and Brian Dable with Ch- Dable changing the culture for their respective teams, which led to a lot of wins. Okay, I just don't it's think it's not you're gonna... just one thing. I know it's not just one. What I'm but saying I... is, it's not just one thing. It's many things. But I don't. Th- I think it's not one thing as far as hiring assistants. You're not going to say this guy should get coach of the year because he hired a good DC. I don't think that would be. No, why that's, well, that's what I'm for. saying. I'm saying it's one of the things. Well, I'm saying it's not it. one of the things. I'm saying I don't think it is one of the things. Oh, hiring assistant coaches isn't it part of being a head coach? No, no, no. Success? I said for being coach of the year, you're not going to say, right. "Well, who did he hire?" That's why I'm going to vote for him. No, they're not. And I didn't say that either. What I said was part of it is who you hire. Part of it is how good well your team is. Part of it is your culture. There's a lot of different things that go into or should go into coach of the year. At no point did I say the only reason he's coach of the year is because he hired somebody. I didn't say I'm you saying said the only it's a bunch of things. I don't think it's Let's anything go- to do with that is what I'm saying. Dan Campbell should be coach of the year. Mm. That's a great one. Thank you for the yeah, text at 808 296 I think Dan Campbell is definitely in the conversation. Should be. Definitely should be. I wonder mm-hmm. how the other votes went. I mean, if they had the three finalists, who else would be on that list as far as four, five, or six? Because Dan Campbell, you would think, should be up there. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you can't have everybody. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll settle for, uh, you know, another a, a better season next year to build on what he did this year.
Yeah, um, they, they could be a playoff team next year. I forget who said it. They were saying they could be the best team in the NFC North next year. And that sounded crazy at first, but it could be Detroit. You know, if Green Bay loses Aaron Rodgers, Minnesota is good, of course, but Detroit took that step up. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm thinking if they can get uh, help in their defensive backfield, the Lions, if they get help on their def, a little help on their defense, they could be better than the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are on the rise. That's for sure. It was kind of cool to see that un- unravel, so to speak. Yeah. All right. 808-296-1420 is a uh, number if you'd like to call in or text. Uh, yesterday, we had our uh, our new feature called uh, Spoiled Brat of the Day. I still have to find a spoiled brat. There's so many. You know what? Here's my spoiled brat of the day. Patrick Reed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Patrick Reed, who flicked a tee at Rory McIlroy because Rory McIlroy wouldn't say hi. There's your spoiled brat of the day right there. You know, and it's and it's 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 almost like. Patrick Reed is, you know, he's been caught cheating. He's one of the most, him and Sergio, who are both on the Live Tour, not very popular with fans or other players on the PGA Tour. So they jump ship. They go to Live. They're making a lot of money. Uh, Patrick Reed got his feelings hurt because a bunch of golf announcers, you know, talk bad about him. And uh, Rory McIlroy has said, uh, I guess, some things about the Live golfers. So on Christmas Eve, Rory McIlroy gets delivered a, um, a subpoena or whatever it is. He's being sued by Patrick Reed. Then Patrick Reed sees him in Dubai to go up to say hi, and he doesn't want to say hi to him. What did you think? Is he going to go have a beer with you afterwards warming up? Ugh. Yeah, but I want to. Can, can you be a little bit cordial when you're going through this legal mess? Probably no. not to some people. No, not when you're practicing. You're practicing. You're focused. And this guy wants to come up and say hi? If you if you sent me a summons on Christmas Eve when I'm trying to enjoy, and you come up to you come up to me and say hi, I'm not. Hey, Gary, how's it going? <laughs> I mean, I don't even do that now. Yeah, true. <laughs> and we Gary has a new feature. He's dying to do this, and this better be good. The tweet of the day from Gary Dickman. Yes, but I look at the tweet of the day. I see tweets out there that make me think, why are they tweeting this? How crazy is this? And all those different things that make you wonder about tweets. Now, this one stands out for a slightly different reason. It's not the tweet itself as much as who sent the tweet. But let me read it word for word. Dak Prescott gave away the ball. Excuse me. Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't, again, generate self-inflicted wounds. Okay, probably a true statement. Not a bad tweet in itself. The problem I think a lot of people have is who sent the tweet. And the one person or organization that sent it are the Dallas Cowboys. Their official Twitter page threw Dak Prescott under the bus. It's almost like you wouldn't believe they did that. Self-inflicted wounds, and they're talking about Dak Prescott giving the ball away twice, and that's his organization doing that? They said, read it again now. Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again, again, generate self-inflicted wounds. Hashtag Dallas for San Francisco, hashtag Dallas Cowboys, and it came from the Dallas Cowboys official hmm. Twitter page. I mean, one of the interceptions was uh, tipped by the receiver, and I think it was Fred Warner or whoever uh, picked that up. I could be misremembering, 
But, um, yeah, that is a little – he gave it away. <laughs> Turnovers. I wonder if that person's still with the Dallas Cowboys. Is that tweet still up? They didn't take it down? Uh, because I heard, I, I heard them talking about it on the radio yesterday uh, on, on a debate on one of the shows on our station. But, yeah, that's crazy. I wonder and if that guy's still employed, like, too. It, it, it's not like somebody on the team in a press conference was saying, we gave it up. Dak shouldn't have given it. It was like a couple of days later when they're tweeting when they're tweeting about it man somebody there doesn't like Dak Prescott yeah I, I wonder if there'll be any uh after effects so to speak as far as somebody losing their job because that's one of the things I first thought of that's I mean, it's all it is comical in a way I mean the fact that you're oh I mean somebody if somebody else wrote it if somebody on ESPN or Dan Orflowski or anybody else wrote something like that okay you'd understand that Ryan Clark but your own team your own organization I wonder how Jerry Jones feels about that because publicly he's not you know pinning it all on Dak Prescott but the team obviously on Twitter is you know and Jerry and uh, Stephen Jones they didn't make their usual radio appearances on their weekly radio shows. And after that, and people are wondering, oh, what's going on? You know, because it was, you know, they lost in the playoffs or maybe they were doing uh, debriefings with players as they were cleaning out their lockers. But, yeah, no word. They just didn't show up for their radio appearances. Interesting. I didn't know that. I do know that Jerry Jones made a statement on Sunday night saying that the loss will have no nothing to do as far as Mike McCarthy's job status, which is the right thing to say whether it does or doesn't. I still think there's a chance he could lose it, but it doesn't appear that way yet. But that was the only thing Look, I heard from, from Sunday night from Jerry Jones. All right, two weeks. How long has the season been done, the regular season? Two weeks? Yeah. We still have yet to fill a coaching vacancy. So the, the talk is that Denver might fill it as early as today. With Sean Payton? Yeah, that's the heavy rumor, yeah, but they said it could happen as soon as today. I forget if that was ESPN or Yahoo. Somebody tweeted that last night, yeah, so we'll I see. Think you that's, would... that's the best job for him, I think, is you had a uh, messed up offense. I, you know, some of it is on um, Russell Wilson, I'm, but not all of it. Not all of it is on Russell Wilson. I guess just Nathaniel Hackett might not be, I don't know, sometimes the, the quarterbacks make the coaches, <laughs> the quarterbacks make the coaches look really, really good. And when the coach leaves, the quarterback's even better or just as good. But the coach on his own doesn't do well. Bill Belichick, for example. I mean, what kind of coach out there goes, We don't need, I'm so good that we don't need an offensive coordinator. Anyone can call plays and coach the offense. Let's have the special teams guy and the defensive guy. Let's have them be uh, working on the offense this year. Well, you saw what it did. Right on the surface, it looks stupid. It looked crazy. Well, not just on the surface; it just was stupid. It was crazy. Look at the stats. Look at where they were the year before and where they were after last season. Near the bottom in all offensive categories. Anyway, what I'm getting at is that um, I think somebody like if Sean Payton is the guru that he is. Now we haven't seen him coach somebody besides Drew Brees. Remember, so but I think that you've got. Um, I don't know where they are. This, um, they don't have a ton of draft picks because they gave them away for Russell Wilson. Right, right. But at the same time, you've got a really good defense, and you've got owners that have really a lot of money. And I'm not just talking about for salary cap reasons and that kind of stuff. I mean, you think Jerry Jones is rich. He's nothing compared to the Walton family. So, the, uh, I mean, we're talking Walmart here. So the – if you're going to have facilities and all the things that you can buy that don't get involved, it's not involved with the, um, the, the salary cap, maybe Denver, 
becomes really a, a, a destination for more free agents. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if, you would think every NFL team except for Cincinnati and Jacksonville probably, and maybe the Raiders have great facilities. Even the Raiders have better facilities now. I would think they're all top No, no, notch. I'm not talking about just stadiums. I'm talking facilities. about everything else. Facilities. I'm talking about, yeah, practice fields and all of that. I'm just saying that you would maybe said the same thing before Mark Cuban arrived in Dallas, right? There's things that Mark Cuban thought of that nobody mm. else did. Yeah. That's and true. that's what I'm saying is that these guys – um, you know, the, the, these guys have the money. If they can get creative, they can spend it any way they want. Just one of the things. By yeah. the way, somebody texted in and let us know, Gary, that Bill O'Brien is the OC for the Patriots. When did that happen? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was majority of the show yesterday. But thanks for listening today. We appreciate that. Okay, how about <laughs> this on Bill O'Brien? I know this doesn't have much cred- uh, you know, um Credibility, What's the maybe word you're looking credibility for? yet, but it was mentioned in something I read last night that Bill O'Brien, when he was with New England, had a lot of success with a guy named Tom Brady. And would it be that crazy that with Bill O'Brien back in New England, that Tom Brady goes back there? I get, I don't think that's going to happen. It, it looks like Brady is going to leave Tampa. Uh, the other part about Brady that was mentioned. Why would, besides, you, why would you want to go back? To Bill Belichick. You well, that's like why I think guy. I don't think it has a lot of credibility. And it wasn't saying that it was a definite thing or people are hearing it, but the fact that he had success with Bill O'Brien. He also, uh, Tom Brady and his ex-wife, both visited a private school in Miami for their kids to go to, visited it separately, 45000 right. a year. But right. the fact that it's in Miami, does that mean Tom Brady is looking at Miami? It could be, but his wife moved to Miami with the kids. He moved across the street to be near his kids. That's why he's in Miami. I thought she, I thought he moved. I thought she moved across the street from him. She's in Miami. She's in Miami, so he bought a house in Miami to be near his kids. Okay, but what would, maybe it would make sense if you want to be near your kids. Maybe if you're working in Miami as opposed to right. Las Vegas, you could be closer to your kids. Man, I, you know what? I would lo- I, I would love Tua Tagovailoa to get out of Miami already. It's so irritating. Are we? Are, did we? We missed a break, didn't we? Yes, we did. Thank Not you. We. Uh, coming up next here, I want to uh, touch on that. Is is you know I think Tua Tagovailoa would be better off out of Miami already. We'll be back on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, remember this afternoon at five o'clock, the really big road show number seven at Growler Hawaii and Kapahulu at a new time, five to seven p.m. Our uh, guests on location will be Timmy Chang, Lori Santi, Mylana Bird, and more. We'll see you then. Greenberg from Barstool Sports is going to join us next, uh, uh, talking about the NBA. Got some sports shorts here on ESPN Honolulu. It was announced yesterday that Chris Stapleton and Babyface are going to be singing during the Super Bowl pregame show. Woo! I can hardly wait. Not a big fan of country music, so that's Chris Stapleton. Uh, so, But that's the national anthem and America the Beautiful, I guess. Yeah, you don't like Babyface? 
No. Why? He's got a baby face. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan of his music. I mean, guy I, is you know. a heck of a heck of a music producer. Heck of an art. I mean, he's like a you know Hall of Fame uh, guy. Well, yeah. I guess. Anyway, uh, let's see. The National, they, I did not know this, but they have people performing. I guess I didn't pay close enough attention. They have uh, people who sign. So uh, Troy Kotzer, 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 is going to perform the National Anthem in American Sign Language. Uh, he's an actor. He won an Academy Award. Uh, he's a deaf actor. But that's kind of cool. Well, they've done that before. I've, I think I see that almost every year. They have somebody on the yeah, stage. Yeah, I just haven't language. paid attention, mm. I guess. But uh, but an Academy Award winning a- deaf mm. actor doing it, yeah. I think, is something very very special. Now, oh, Jay Z yeah. is going to be the executive producer for the halftime show for the fourth year in a row, and uh, I look forward to that because I think Jay Z's done a great job. But I mean, having ba- this guy Babyface has won twelve Grammys. That's a pretty big deal. It is. It's just not it's my platinum music. records. Just not my type of music. What is your type of music besides Bruce Springsteen? Rock and roll, maybe a little easy listening, but see, um, it must be hard though because all the artists you like are well dead. Old. Well, they're old. Well, the music's still alive, <laughs> right? I mean, you're not. But they're not at- going to be performing at the Super Bowl, Gary. Well, I have a lot of artists that I like. I mean, in 2022, I saw the Eagles oh, in concert for- and Journey I, in concert. I Katy Perry. What did that I come know from? you're a big fan. I'm a, hey, the I like NHL, the, the NHL, uh, they have an, uh, the the All Star Game Skills Competition. Yeah, and they announced um, <laughs> that they have something new. It's called the Splash Shot in their Skills Competition, and so it's a splash shot and it involves a dunk tank. That's fun. Depends who they're dunking. If it's the commissioner, a lot of people will, t- will tune in for that. They're not a big fan of Gary Bettman. Right, but as as a fun thing, Gary Bettman should jump into the, uh, you know, they should have, you know, people like that. You know, for example, if they had skills competitions for golf, then Patrick Reed or Sergio Garcia (laughs) would sit in the dunk tank, and you raise money for charity somehow. Can we do that with James Dolan of the Knicks? Yeah. So they got the splash shot, uh, eight shooters, two on each divisional team. Uh, They're going to go head-to-head to hit all the required targets, uh, attempting to dunk their opponents. Oh, okay, so they're just going against each other. See, that's no fun. I mean, the dunk tank is cool, but or maybe it's dunk tank of freezing water, like it fell through the ice on a frozen lake. That Probably. might be fun. That might be fun for us to watch, but not for the player getting dunked in frozen ice or his team. No, obviously not. That's why it would be <laughs> fun. Uh, they got something called the pitch and puck. Uh, it's a combination of hockey and golf shots. On a par four course with an island green, <laughs> pitch and putt. Uh, they've got something uh, uh, called attendee tandem. You can look all of this up. Um, other returning events: the NHL's fastest skater, the hardest shot, uh, accuracy like. shooting, and a lot more. Anyway, uh, the, the NHL is doing it right, and I think that's why it's, it, it would be fun to watch this. I'm not a hockey fan. I don't even understand the game. But I'd sure like to see this, some of this competition, and that's why I think the Pro Bowl games are going to be a lot more fun than people give it a, give it uh, credit for. Well, see, I'm wondering how many players are going to bow out of the Pro Bowl game because it's not a Pro Bowl game. Uh, you're in Las Vegas, which is probably the biggest draw more than anything else, and I guess the money you get. But I yeah. wonder how many players are going to bow out of it that are on the rosters, which is crazy that there's rosters right now. 
Um, do not know. Uh, we'll wait and see first before we make a prediction on that because I think a lot of guys would just like to go to Vegas. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, the accommodations in Vegas are going to be unreal. I would uh, think so. Let's see. Bronny James. And uh, basically all of Kentucky's signees are McDonald's All-Americans, it was announced yesterday. <laughs> so if you think John Calipari is having a rough, uh, a, you know, a rough time with the Kentucky Wildcats this year, well, he's, he's, I'm sure he'll be back because I think, what, four of the guys he signed are McDonald's All-Americans? It's almost a norm for him. And with Bronny James, LeBron had an interesting quote the other day talking about college for him and saying, I can pick up the phone and have him go anywhere he wants. But he's also said in the same context, well, he's good enough to play anywhere. That part is obvious. He's good right. enough to play. I think but for Bronny LeBron to James say that. Bronny James can pick up the phone and go anywhere he wants. Right. For By LeBron the way, to... most, of, most of these guys, and the reason this comes up is because these guys have all committed. Bronny James is still undecided. Yeah, it's, I'm not sure if it's official, but he has USC, Ohio State, and I can't remember the third school that he was supposedly his three final. Oregon, thank you, Tanner, for considering. But for LeBron James, that I can call up anybody and get him in any school. That's almost like you know you're going. You, you, it's almost like a loophole or using your 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 status to get him into school. If he's good enough, he can go anywhere. You don't need to I think that that's, call I think up. That's, I think that's what he means, actually. Maybe it didn't come out right. Probably but right. I think that's what LeBron means. I don't think he's going, my son needs my help, and I'm such a big star, I can make a call. So that's kind of a weird observation that you just made. No, it isn't. He said it. Right, but I don't think that's what he means. Well, he's, we don't he, know exactly think, what he means. I think exactly what he means is, I know what he, he doesn't exactly mean. He exactly doesn't mean I'm a big star, so my son needs help getting into a college. Like no. I said, Bronny James can call any college and make it in that he wants. But I, I think he meant that I'm LeBron James and I can have him do anything I want him to do by just calling up anybody. They're going to oblige. Wow. All right. We'll leave it at that. Our special guest is coming up <laughs> next. Let's talk uh, to Dan Greenberg about that and see what he thinks. Uh, we'll talk some NBA coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Right now, it's time for our bulletin board brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. Aloha United Way is out there connecting people, resources, and organizations to positively impact every member of our community. Join them and change tomorrow today. Donate, volunteer, or start a workplace campaign by visiting auw.org. Once again, our bulletin board brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union on ESPN Honolulu. Back with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu on this uh, hump day. Uh, joining us now from Barstool Sports. Let's get into a little NBA. Dan Greenberg joins us now via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Dan, great to have you on the show. Let's talk about a trade that took place a couple of days ago and get your thoughts on Rui Hachimura going from Washington to the L.A. Lakers. How much will this help L.A.? Well, it certainly it can't hurt. If you, if you look at the Lakers roster, you know, they are someone who – or they're a team that really just needs any form of talent. And I think, you know, even though Hachimura has his deficiencies, he's maybe not the best defender – you know, he's a, a guy that maybe with a new change of scenery, he has a skill set in terms of shooting that the Lakers need, and they basically got him for free. So my gut says it should only help just because 
they, you know, any player would help them. But, you know, I was surprised to see, given other teams that could also use a player like that, that his market value wasn't even, you know, anything to, you know, write home about. It was basically nothing. Right. Kendrick Nunn and some second-round draft picks. What else do you think the Lakers might do before the trade deadline as far as making moves? We keep hearing Russell Westbrook, but nothing obviously has happened yet. Yeah, that's tough because he just has a disastrous contract. You know, I think they're weary to give up their two unprotected first-round picks, but really to bring in any type of player of substance, you're probably going to have to unload at least one of those, whether it's a trade that offloads Russell Westbrook. Maybe it's someone who brings them Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Pistons. So they still need shooting. They could use some big man depth since Anthony Davis's health is always a question mark. But it's all going to come down to if they're finally willing to unload those picks. If not, I just I don't see a trade out there that gets them over the hump. See, I wonder about that, too, because you keep hearing they don't want to give up those first-rounders, as you said. But LeBron James is going to be around, you would think, four or five years from now in L.A. So why not try to win today, this year, or next year? And if you can get, like, a Buddy Heal, the Miles Turner, Bogdanovich, or somebody like that, and it costs you a first-round pick in a few, a few years, why wouldn't they pull the trigger? Well, probably because I don't know if they believe that he will be around for four or five years. So... He has, I believe, one more year guaranteed and then a player option uh, after that season. So if you're giving up a pick in 2029, there's a strong chance that LeBron and Anthony Davis aren't around by 2029. So they're sort of straddling the fence of how do we show LeBron and the team that we're trying to make improvements now while also protecting ourselves for a post-LeBron world where there's a strong chance you could be a high lottery team. So... It's certainly not an easy choice, but they sort of made their own bed, and this is just their reality. Every day when I look at the standings in the NBA, specifically the Pacific Division, I almost think they're in reverse because Sacramento's in first place, third best record in the Western Conference, and that never happened. And you have the Lakers, Golden State, and Phoenix in uh, fifth, fourth, and third. And there are different reasons for these teams struggling, but it just looks so different. But I also look at the Western Conference, which a few years ago was by far the stronger conference. Are we seeing a shift where the East is maybe stronger than the West now? Oh, I think we're, if we're not there already, we're certainly heading in that direction. Just when you look at, you know, you have teams like Orlando that's beaten all these good teams. Even their lottery teams have talent like the Bulls. And I just think what's happening is the talent across the league is deeper and there's no games where you can look on the schedule and say, okay, this is the layup or, you know, we don't have to take this game seriously if you don't come ready to play, you can get beat. I mean, look at Oklahoma City. They're either a game over 500 or a game under 500, and they're beating everybody. So I do think there's a power shift. The, the true title contenders feel like they're more in the East, but they are a deeper conference as well. There's no doubt about it. Dan Greenberg from Barstool Sports covers the NBA and the Boston Celtics, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. I was going to bring up OKC because it seems – really something special that they've been able to accomplish. And I know Gilgis Alexander could be an all-star, should be, and he's that special. But the fact that they are in contention for a playoff spot is amazing. By the same token, they shouldn't be a game behind Dallas in the standings. I know they're in different divisions. Why is Dallas struggling as much as they do when they have maybe the MVP in the league in Luka? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a basketball alien. I mean, nobody does what Luka does on the floor, but – 
a lot of the same old problems, right? They're, they're not as locked in defensively as they were last year when they sort of made that jump. They've regressed. The talent around Luca, I mean, depending on who you ask, that's not, you know, the best supporting cast, but that usually only tends to come up when they lose. I just think, I think they gave up 127 points again last night in their narrow loss. For them, mm-hmm. it's, you know, they're, Luca has to exert so much energy on the offensive end to carry them. His individual defense is down, and Christian Wood hasn't really made an impact on that end of the floor. So a lot of these teams out west that may be underachieving, like a Portland or a Dallas, it's all on the defensive end for them. If you can't get stops consistently at the NBA level, you're going to flirt with 500. You're going to flirt with the play-in. It all comes down to you know having a top 10, top 5 level defense if you want to contend. We're going to talk about your Celtics in just a minute. They have the best record in the NBA, but number two are the Denver Nuggets. Uh, kind of a two-parter with them. Why don't we give them more credit for what they've accomplished? And is Nikola Jokic, in your opinion, maybe going to win a third MVP in a row? Yeah, it's, it's really weird. I mean, they have a profile of a contender. They have elite top-level talent. They have depth. They have balance. They have a good coach. Uh, I don't really know why people sleep on the Nuggets. I think people forget that their last few postseason run, they didn't have two of their three best players. So uh, when you watch them play, I think there's just a way that Jokic impacts the game, sort of like Luka, where you're not going to find it anywhere else. He just he does everything. He's efficient, he rebounds, he scores, he's clutch. He's one of the best passers on planet Earth. So I, for me right now, he's probably the leader in MVP, and they have – a top-level offense, top-level defense. They fit the mold for what you would want as a contender, but they still have to prove it when it matters, right? Like, Mm. it was very important for the Celtics to finally break through and make a finals. The same is going to be true for the Nuggets. If they're going to be this contender, they have to show it when it matters. And hopefully they're healthy because with a healthy, you know, Porter Jr. or healthy Jamal Murray, they do have the high-level talent to get there. Okay, I want to ask about yourself as a team you've watched so closely and cover so closely. One of the things I think about when I see what they accomplished last year going to the finals and this year with the best record is that maybe Brad Stevens wasn't that great of a coach, but the two guys after him have done a really good job with almost the same roster. I, I think it's a really great story what, what they've been able to do in the regular season. It looks like, again, they have to be a favorite come May and June. What are your thoughts on what they've accomplished this year with the new coach, even though many of the faces are the same? Yeah, I think that's really the, the basis of it is while the coaches are new, the foundation has been together for six, seven years now. So, you know, the, the building blocks were started by Brad. He sort of got them as far as they could go. When they brought in Ime, he unlocked that formula that got them over the hump. And we're seeing with Joe Missoula, he's just keeping that train rolling. He didn't reinvent the wheel. And I think what we're seeing is all of their best players are either in their prime or starting to enter their prime. So, you know, I would have hoped that uh, a version of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in 2023 is much better than what we saw in 2018. So I think it's a combination of internal development, the fact that they can exhale, that they got over the hump so they can trust in how they play and their system. And then they have complete buy-in with a new head coach. I think if the players didn't respect Joe or didn't have buy-in with Joe, we wouldn't see this seamless transition. But I think now that they're in true title contention, everyone is sort of on their best behavior. They're playing the right way. Because as long as they execute and play to their potential, 
it's a proven formula for success. And they might have the MVP. If not, Jokic could be Jason Tatum. Dan, always great talking the NBA. We're almost at the all-star break. Trade deadline. Playoffs are not that far away. Thanks again. We'll do it again soon. Oh, of course. Anytime, guys. Have a great day. All right, you too. That was Dan Greenberg, who you can follow on Twitter at Stool Greeny. works for Barstool Sports. Joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. See ya in a Kia. All right, one more reminder this afternoon at 5 o'clock from 5 to 7 p.m. at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. It's the really big road show. Chris Hart, Josh Pacheco. Coach Timmy Chang, Mylana Bird, Lori Santi, and more. Come on down and join us for Heineken on special. Also, it's uh, uh, you know we'll, it'll be broadcast on the radio, of course. But come on down and see Coach Chang and the rest of our guests. They'll all be live and in person down there, and uh, they got some great food too. So come hungry. We'll see you this afternoon at five from ESPN Honolulu. It's Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Coming up, uh, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy at 12 noon today. Also at 2 o'clock, Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. Tiff Wells with the call from North Carolina. And we are playing who again today? Queens? Queens. Yeah. All right, playing Queens today at 2 o'clock. And then uh, we're going to have uh, Tanner Hayworth and Hunter Hughes rocking the mic up till 5 o'clock. And we'll have the really big road show number seven from Growler, Hawaii, with uh, Coach Timmy Chang and the rest of our guests. I wanted to play something. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left in the show. And I wanted to, I was thinking about this for some reason yesterday, kind of a word association game. I'm going to give you an NFL quarterback. Give me the first thing that comes to your mind. Because for me, it's pretty surprising about the things that I've thought of. For example, first thing now, Gary. Don't do no ah. If you say ah, you lose the game. (laughs) First thing that comes to your mind, Eli Manning. Super Bowl. For me, it was helmet catch. Okay. Peyton Manning. Funny, SNL, Super Bowl. That's three (laughs) things. Mine was, for some reason, hurt neck Broncos uniform. I don't know why. Interesting. Okay, here's one. Brett Favre. Great. Okay. See, my thought, my first thought was, the first thought was taking pictures of himself. The, you know, the pictures yeah, he right. got in trouble. Weird, yeah? I mean, yes. it's weird things that I think of. Patrick Mahomes. Champion. That's the first thing you think of, champion. Yeah. I, you know, for some reason, I think of uh, bath bombs. You think of what? Bath bombs. Patrick Mahomes, bath bombs. <laughs> it is you. <laughs> you don't know what that is, do you? No. You can say it. Have you seen that commercial where he's putting the little round things into the bathtub? No. The I guy don't. goes, it's time for your jazz bath. Oh. They've been playing it over and over again for about two years now. You, okay. You've never seen the State Farm I don't commercial? Re- I don't remember that part of it. Well, yeah. but I, it's, it's anyway, for some reason. the first I, thing I, I, you think of? <laughs> yeah, it was the first thing. I mean, honestly, the first thing. Patrick okay. Mahomes. I think of bath bombs, that commercial with him and the bath bombs. Okay, ask me somebody. Ask me somebody. For, for football, okay. How Anything. Will... It doesn't matter. It can be any sport. Okay. Um, as long as James. I know who the person is. LeBron James. LeBron James. Oh, I thought of his hairline for some reason. Okay, Steph Curry. I, I, guess I thought of three-pointers. Okay, Tiger Woods. 
hairline. <laughs> probably, probably what I thought of it. Okay, let's I'm go. I'm not very good at this game. There's Aaron Judge. About Aaron Judge, tall. That's the first thing you think of, that he's tall? Weird, yeah. In a way, but, I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways to describe them. They're all right, obviously. Let's go with somebody like Joel Embiid. Uh, hurt? Okay, here's the big one. First thing that comes to your mind, Josh Pacheco. Um, whiny. <laughs> a lot of people would say that about me. Okay, uh, first thing you think of, first thing you think of, Tanner Hayworth. Football. Oh, there you go, I was going to say recruiting, too, but football. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, give me give me somebody else that we work with. Matt Apana. Uh, mean. Unfair. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are right. weird. Yeah, we got to go. All right, we'll see you at Growler this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Thank you, Tanner Hayworth, for all your work this morning as well. This is ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM at 1420 AM.